Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready? This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, folks? It's that time again, My Take Radio, episode 47 for Thursday, June 17th, 2010. Tonight's intro music was the Omen of Geneva remixed for My Take Radio. The artist is NekoFrog1, N-E-K-O-F-R-O-G, the number one. That's NekoFrog, and the site, as always, is ocremix.org. You can get that and any of the other music that we've used in previous broadcasts at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Some housekeeping, as always, to start things off. Um, the ads that have been on the site the last few days, most of them are getting the boot, pretty much because Google ads, you click and click and click, and they don't cut you a check till you hit at least 100 bucks. I'm going to be honest with you. So any revenue that I expect to get from those ads is practically non-existent. There's been like 8,000 clicks and it's nowhere near $100. I decided to put banners up for shows and sites that support the show, our friends of the show, just as a way of giving back to those that support the show. Um, you may have seen MMA Gospels banner on there. Um, they're a fellow show on the Blog Talk Radio Network. They actually had a show earlier this evening, which I took part in. You can check out their show usually Wednesdays at 8 p.m. It's uh, blogtalkradio.com slash MMA Gospel. You'll also see a Northeast Wasteland banner up there for uh, Kai, who is a regular contributor now on the forums. He has his blog that covers video games. Very well done. Definitely an up-and-coming talent to keep an eye on. So if you like what I have to offer, definitely stop by the Northeast Wasteland. Born Stubborn Radio, self-explanatory. They provide great commercials, great content, and Blaine, one of their hosts, helps design some of the stuff that you see on MyTakeRadio.com as well as some of the other promotional items that are out there. So those are going to be some of the ads that you're going to be seeing over the next few days. WordPress 3.0 was released this week, and with that, that means that I can officially proceed with the redesign for MyTakeRadio.com or MyTakeRadio 3.0. You'll be seeing that probably within the next few weeks. You're also going to see a new forum being debuted. I actually met with Slick earlier this week, well, late last week, to go over some potential site designs as well as some potential forums. So he has a pretty good idea of what's going to be going down with that. Also, the MyTakeRadio app, which will be available on the Apple iTunes Store within the next, I'd say, three weeks. Um, it's already in Stage 2. Um, there is some design work that's going to be going into it just because you're going to need, you know, backgrounds for the applications, buttons for the applications, what things I'm going to start adding to the app, and there will be some exclusive content 
for other listeners that get iTunes, you know, that get the show through iTunes just because it's part of the clause for the company to provide me the app that I will need to create exclusive content. You're going to probably be seeing some things from me. There'll probably be some stuff from Slick as well. And um, that should be coming in three weeks. Of course, it's no surprise we got E3 going on. I will be discussing it. Um, there's so much to cover. I'm going to try and cover most of it this week. There's going to be some stuff spread out over at, at minimum three episodes in time for our 50th. Um, I will be doing a panel. Uh, the ladies from Girl Gamer will be joining me as well as one of the creators of Gaming Angels, probably Kevin from VGN, and a couple of others will be joining me to break down E3 and just give some post-E3 thoughts. Um, the Girl Gamer team is actually at E3, so I definitely would like to hear a first-person account from them about some of the stuff that went down. And, of course, just to pick apart a few things, because we all have our different projects, whether it's sites, shows, blogs, and we all view things a little differently. There are certain things I saw at E3 that a lot of people were like, oh, that's fucking awesome, and I personally thought was bullshit. So, nonetheless, definitely going to be a great mix of personalities, and that will probably be happening for the June 24th show. There wasn't going to be one June 24th because it's my birthday that week, but given the fact that I think that there can be so much that can be covered, I figured I'll do a show the 24th and uh, we'll take it from there. With that said, also the Facebook fan page, really weird, a lot of traffic. Not, I don't see any new fans. What's going on? Um, we went from 131 to 132 to 133, back down to 131. I don't know if it's because of the posts and stuff, but... You know, you can communicate via the fan page if there's anything that you'd like to see done differently. Um, I definitely want to take a moment to welcome back Strider Cage. He is a loyal listener that was um, doing some stuff with the Army. I'm not going to get into specifics. Nonetheless, he makes his return to the show. So definitely a, a shout-out to Strider. Um, thanks for stepping up and going out there and doing something to defend our country. Got to give you a shout-out for that. So welcome back, dude. Um, I think that's, that about sums it up. The app, the site, and pretty much I'm missing something. I'm more than sure it will come to me during the broadcast. With that said, let's wrap up the housekeeping. Here's a rundown of tonight's topics. We're going to talk about UFC 115. Um, definitely great card from start to finish. Um, definitely going to talk about what happened with Chuck Liddell. We're going to talk about Chael Sonnen. Definitely going to cover Strike Force that happened on Wednesday. We're going to talk about TNA Slammiversary, uh, the release of Daniel Bryan, a.k.a. Bryan Danielson from WWE, and the rumors that have gone about his release. There's some TNA stuff that went down this week. A couple of people quit. Some people got fired. So um, there's definitely that to discuss. Um, E3, chock full of shit. I know I'm going to leave a lot of it out. Um, I want to take a moment also and give Slick a shout-out. He stepped in because I was burned out with E3 coverage. Um, you know, this, this show is not my regular gig. It's not something I get paid for, not yet at least, you know, wishful thinking. But, um, you know, you come home 8 o'clock at night, 9 o'clock at night, you pound out all this E3 news. Before you know it, it's 3 a.m., then you got to wake up, go to work. So definitely kudos to Slick for stepping up and being a great team player. So definitely helpful for those of you that are in there. You can thank Slick also for some of the great content from E3 that came out this week. 
Same thing with the forums. There are a lot of you guys, a lot of unsung heroes in the forums that are putting stuff up from E3. Um, definitely take a take a bow for yourselves, guys like Slick, Ant, Bob, Bronx. They're in the forums just keeping shit interesting, so i got to give those guys a shout-out as well. And besides E3, of course, movie news. We're going to talk a little bit about the Deadpool movie. That's actually starting to move ahead. Um, there's also going to be a couple of remakes that some of you are definitely going to be rolling your eyes at, so there's going to be talk of that. One thing that you can take a little solace in is the fact that I will not be really discussing anything 3D this week, thank God, because I'm more than sure a lot of you people were um, definitely tired of all the 3D shit, but that's just a quick rundown. There's a few things that are left out, but they'll be covered throughout the broadcast. Let's start with MMA first. Of course, the Ultimate Fighter ended. The finale for The Ultimate Fighter is this Saturday on Spike TV. Um, if you haven't been checking it, Definitely a great time to jump in to check the finale. Matt Hamill's going to be fighting Keith Jardine on that card. You're going to have the two Ultimate Fighter finalists. You're going to have some of the cast members fighting also. Um, Jamie Yeager, actually, his fight went from the prelims to the main card just because it seems that a lot of people just dislike him or just had, he's left a, a bitter taste in the mouths of a lot of MMA fans with a lot of the quote-unquote actions that he's had. But nonetheless, the Ultimate Fighter finale is this Saturday. On Spike TV, I believe coverage starts at 9 p.m. In any event, if that is the wrong time or if you're unsure, definitely head over to either SpikeTV.com or UFC.com for all the details. Now, let's get into UFC 115. UFC 115 on paper, to many people, it looked like really a subpar, lackluster card just because it wasn't the main event people wanted with Liddell and Ortiz, but... As the fight got closer and it really picked up steam, it just came together really well. I'm actually going to go – I'm not going to run down the whole card. I just want to talk about a couple of fights that I really, really enjoyed. Um, I definitely want to talk about Rory McDonald and Carlos Condit. Um, great fight. A lot of people were complaining about the stoppage that went down in the fight. Pretty much Condit, to me, I think he did a great job in the first round. McDonald took the second, and then Condit – came in with the third, and uh, won via ground and pound. It was a TKO via strikes in round three. Um, definitely a great fight. It definitely puts Condit on people's radar in the welterweight division, and uh, I, I see great things coming from him. No, no big, no big um, damage to Rory McDonald, his, you know, career-wise. He's a solid fighter. He comes in, he was 10-0. You know, he's fighting a guy who's 24-5. and No big deal. Um... He can only learn from this, and I'm a fan of Rory McDonald as well, so I look forward to seeing him fight. But Condit came in, great performance, and again, putting the welterweight division on notice for sure. Uh, Gilbert Ivel and Ben Rothwell was also a solid fight. Rothwell ended up winning by unanimous decision. You know, sometimes with heavyweights, people complain that they're, that it's too much of a methodical fight, too much of a slow fight, but solid fight from start to finish, back and forth rounds, Rothwell just ended up, being, you know, putting in more work. But overall, not a bad heavyweight contest at all. Uh, the Martin Kempman paulo Tiago fight, surprising. I expected paulo Tiago to come in and, and do the job, especially after his submission victory, the Bravo choke that he did on Mike Swick at UFC 109. But um, Martin Kempman, another one, came in, did the do for three rounds. He definitely he worked a lot of his striking a lot better um, he ended up mostly finishing in a dominant position at the end of every round, side control in the first. 
He was looking for a guillotine in the second, and um, he had the mount at the end of the third. You know, Thiago had the mount. I mean, um, Kentman had the mount, and it ended pretty much with Kentman in dominant position at the end of all three rounds, and he ended up winning via unanimous decision. Now, one fight that everybody really got excited about was Pat Barry versus uh, Mirko Krokop. And the reason is um, Krokop was definitely on the fence. He was going to retire. He wasn't going to retire. You're talking about a guy who has one of the most devastating uh, head kicks in the game. If you've never seen this guy fight, YouTube homework assignment, uh, Mirko Krokop on YouTube. Check him out in Pride Fighting. The guy did a, a great job. And um, overall, it, no, no harm, no love loss in the fight. There was a lot of respect from both guys. Pat Barry, just great striker. He came in. Um, I actually thought Barry was going to take it, but Krokop surprised the shit out of me. He came in doing great work in the second round. Barry definitely took the first. Um, it ended up being Barry getting a broken foot in that fight. He just ended up catching a lot, a lot of crazy shit. And Krokop with the flurry, he ended up choking out Barry uh, via rear naked choke in round three. Um, very happy with the fight from start to finish. Very exciting fight. There are rumors that Krokop may retire after this fight just because, you know, he won. And he, I think he was really feeling um, his age after the fight. I, I've heard a lot of different things. I don't think that Krokop should retire. He's still got a lot of juice left in the tank. And Pat Barry is, is an exciting dude. If you're on Twitter and you're an MMA fan and you're not following him, you should check him out. I think it's at HyperDie. You can check him. You can check his tweets out also on the My Take Radio account. But awesome fighter. He's actually put photos up of his broken foot. It is some scary shit when one foot is about four shoe sizes bigger than the other. That's when you know that shit is really bad. But I, I was happy with the fight, I have to say. And, Rich Franklin and Chuck Liddell, light heavyweight main event fight. Of course, Rich stepping in for the injured Tito Ortiz. I expected a war. Chuck Liddell came in in ridiculous shape. Everybody was talking about how he was taking this fight really serious. He dropped a lot of weight. He got shredded, yada, yada, yada. And Franklin came in, leg kick from Franklin, left by Franklin, just working back and forth. Liddell came in really excited, came in with a leg kick of his own, a body kick, working a little bit of, of the stand-up. But as it turns out, it wasn't going to be a good night for Liddell. Liddell ended up getting caught by a right hand from Franklin, got knocked out cold. Rich Franklin won by KO in round one. A lot of people were annoyed, you know, oh, this first round finished, blah, blah, blah. Look, the way the fight went, Liddell left himself open. He's lost pretty much all his last few fights by knockout. It's unfortunate, but... I think this is really the end of the Iceman. It's the end of an era. The guy's a classy guy, a class act. He's a great ambassador for the sport. And he went and fought his heart out. I mean, there's already retirement rumors all over the place. Me, personally, I think uh, he shouldn't retire without fighting Tito. I think that's the fight people still want to see. And that fight can go either way. Rich Franklin put people on notice. Good stand-up. As it turns out, when Rich Franklin blocked a kick from Liddell, the kick ended up breaking his left arm, so he ended up continuing to fight with a broken arm. I believe his ulna and his forearm were shattered. So Rich Franklin's going to be on the shelf for a while, but he definitely took the, the, the bitter end of that victory just because of a, he has a complete broken arm. Um, Chuck Liddell 
like I said, everything's been kind of quiet right now. Whether he retires or not remains to be seen. But I was very happy with the card again. Unfortunate that Chuck lost, but hey, you know, this is a, a younger fighter's game. And it, Liddell, if he retires next week, he the guy had a legendary career. He had great fights against some of some of the legends of the sport, from Randy Couture to Tito. Um, you know, he had three fights with Randy Couture that were phenomenal. Uh, great fights with Rampage. Um, his fight with Rashad, that even though it was another loss, still a great fight. So it, at the end, if he does retire, he gave us a lot of great fights. So definitely props to Chuck. Um, and moving away from the UFC, I just want to get into some other MMA news. Um, Shogun, who of course won the light heavyweight belt from Lyoto Machida, will be on the fence before his next title defense. He actually suffered a knee injury when he was going in for a takedown, so he's going to be out for a while. Um, he'll be back soon, though, but um, the fact is that he hurt his knee on the takedown, and right now his next fight is going to be against Rashad, so definitely wishing Shogun a speedy recovery. Not only that, but he needs to be um, in good shape, especially now that Rashad is going back to using a wrestling background, just so that he can... Um, you know, he can do a bit of a sprawl and brawl now that Rashad is going to resort back to using wrestling. So definitely wishing him a speedy recovery. Uh, Ken Shamrock is in the news this week. He was recently on, on, the, um, on the MMA show on HDNet, and he actually admitted to using steroids. Um, he actually came clean on Fighting Words with Mike Straka on HDNet. He, um, he had denied using steroids, after his 2009 win over Ross Clifton, despite testing positive on multiple tests, he and his camp blamed over-the-counter over products for causing the test. But he ended up, of course, owning up and admitting that he did use steroids. He said, and I quote, it's easy for MMA fighters to acquire steroids and other banned substances and then seem to blame the fans a bit, stating that the fans want to see muscled-up fighters but then expect them to not take drugs. When they did find out about it, they want to kick their heads and... They want to stick their heads in the sand, Shamrock said. No one wants to take responsibility, but everyone wants to see bigger athletes. This is where i got to talk about the total amount of bullshit with this particular statement. I'm a gym rat. For those of you that know me on a personal level know I live in the gym. I eat good. I lift heavy. You know, definitely bigger than I should be for a, small, for, for, for a person of my stature. But you have to take into consideration, when you are a professional athlete, you're going out there testing yourself against another professional athlete. And regardless of what people say and how they advocate the use of steroids and the where, you know, it's the athlete's body, we have to look at it. Steroids enhance your performance. If you're a guy who isn't strong at countering takedowns, for instance, and you're on steroids, what happens? you're going to be able to counter takedowns better because you're going to be stronger and you're going to be able to muscle your way out of takedowns. Same thing with submissions, same thing with grappling, same thing with slams. It's a real unfair advantage. And the fact that he sat there and denied that shit is bullshit. We've all seen Ken Shamrock. He's chiseled out of fucking stone. And you're old as hell. Nobody is in that kind of shape without any help. Not him, not Batista from the WWE. None of these older guys that are over their 30s or 40s can be that way without any assistance. It's impossible. And those that are, they're not that way year-round. If you're muscular and vascular year-round, you, you have help. Because even, even if I go and cut 20 pounds and get 
in, in, in decent shape now that the weather's warmer, you're, you're going to eat more during the winter. It's just the way shit goes, and you're, you're, you're going to soften up. You're going to lose a lot of your lines. And Ken Shamrock's a guy that year-round completely shredded all the fucking time. And for him to sit there and blame the fans, the fans didn't put a gun to your head to tell you to put a needle in your ass, Ken. Nobody did that but yourself. You decided to, that you needed an unfair advantage to continue being relevant. And you decided, oh, I'm going to take some steroids. It's like Mark McGuire coming up and saying, you know, I didn't do steroids, and then it coming out that he did. The whole reason that you take steroids is to increase performance. Baseball, not to get into a whole sports rant, baseball is one of those things where people go to see the long ball. Everybody's a fan of home runs. And Major League Baseball started kind of going in that direction, you know, focusing more on the home run and less on the battles between the team's pitchers and catchers and pitchers and, and batters. And that's what happens. The sport evolves. You refuse to evolve with it, so you decide, all right, I'm going to take some steroids. That will help me stay competitive against the younger guys. If you want to stay competitive in this day and age, again, in any sport, you have to train harder, look for new techniques, look for new things, and, and don't sit there and blame the fans. I think that that was a real pussy thing to do. And I like Ken Shamrock. The guy's a, a, a legend. He's a great fighter, you know, from – WWE wrestling to being in the original UFCs. The, the guy's a legend, but to sit there and blame the fans, you're full of shit. Nobody, nobody, nobody told you, hey, Ken, you should do steroids to stay relevant. You made that a conscious decision. And the fact that he sat there and did that with such a straight face, I definitely lost respect for him in regards to that. Um, in regards to the upcoming UFC 115, uh, well, the past UFC 115, there were uh, some discussions with Chael Sonnen at the weigh-ins. And Chael Sonnen, for those of you that don't know, very outspoken. He's going to be fighting Anderson Silva. He's actually running for political office as well. Um, MMA is uh, very unique. You have a guy, he's running for office. He's an MMA fighter. He's a Republican. He has some really crazy views. But you know what? I respect the way he carries himself. I don't agree with a lot of his ideals in reference to, you know, political beliefs. But he doesn't sit there and sugarcoat shit. And, you know, we need more of that in every sport. And they were asking him a couple of questions. His responses were hilarious. When asked about George St. Pierre competing in the Olympics, he said that he does not see George St. Pierre making it to an Olympic team. There's no harm in that. A lot of people, oh, my God, George St. Pierre, he's going to wrestle in the Olympics? No, not happening. Um, when asked about the quality of wrestlers in relation to St. Pierre, he goes, well, I know wrestling pretty well, and I even know Canadian wrestling pretty well. In the U.S., he wouldn't have much of a chance. We take wrestling, wrestling really seriously. In Canada, they're doing better and better, but they're not up to the U.S. level. When asked about St. Pierre having trouble, he said, I think he could be probably a top ten guy, but he couldn't break into the top six. He's not good enough. He's not a good enough athlete to compete at that level. In the U.S., these young kids have been doing it since they were eight, nine years old. They've mastered and learned all the different wrestling positions as well as all the different scoring techniques. I don't think that he'd be able to learn all the rules and the, and the wrestling positions in time. When asked about Anderson Silva and the chance of him taking the fight to the ground, he said, I've got two national championship plaques on my wall that say I can take him down. I've got a silver medal from the world championships in 2001 that says he can't stop me from taking it down. If he's got an answer to it, God bless him. But in the meantime, he will get taken down. I respect that because, you know, Anderson Silva is a legend. The guy is sitting there and he's like, yeah, you know, 
Anderson Silva, pound for pound, greatest fighter in the world. He's a fantastic fighter. What I noticed, though, is that guys that fight him break mentally for some reason. It's always the same thing. It's like, oh, I'm going to fight Anderson Silva, and I'm ready, and blah, blah, blah. Then the cage door closes, and it's like the switch goes, gets turned off, and these fighters just lose the will to fight him. I don't know what, what the deal is, but I like that Chael is going in there, and he's talking his shit, and he's ready to back it up. I've got to respect that. In keeping with uh, the theme of UFC 115, there were some nice $85,000 fight bonuses giving out. Given out, I should say. KO of the night went to Rich Franklin. He got 85 grand. Fight of the night went to Carlos Condit and Rory McDonald. And submission of the night went to Crow Cop. They all got $85,000 fight bonuses. I really am in the in the wrong sport that I that to not get $85,000 fight bonuses. Um, when Dana White was asked about Chuck Liddell and his loss. When the first question, of course, he was asked was, which was Chuck Liddell done? His response was, yeah, and I hope he agreed tonight. I don't think he won't, but I think he is done. On granting Liddell a comeback, he responded, this is what he wanted. I did what I felt I should do. He said, listen, I want this. I'm going to take it serious, and he did. What else could I say? The guy was healthy. He'd seen the doctors. He passed his medicals. On Liddell's chin, he said, I'll be the first one to say that he does not have the chin he used to have. I've been around fighters my whole life. You can hit Chuck in the face with a pole and you wouldn't be able to knock him out. If you look at some of his earlier fights and some of the shots that he used to get hit with, they would have knocked any other fighter out. He had an incredible chin, and listen, we all turn 40 sometime. We all, we all get old. Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player. It happens to everybody. When asked about Liddell's swan song, he said, I've actually lived inside that window. I have. Not one, not one sad feeling in my body at all. We did it. We, and he'll always be a part of it. He gave it his last shot, and he went out like Chuck Liddell would. He came out blasting bomb, and he tried to put Rich Franklin away, and he gave the fans a good fight. And it was a great fight if it's the last fight for the Ice fan. So I think that with Dana White saying what he said, I think it's really going to be um, retirement for Chuck Liddell. It's unfortunate, but like I said, it's the end of an era. For those of you that are looking forward to UFC on Versus 2, um, it was originally scheduled to be in Salt Lake City, Utah. They have changed venues due to poor ticket sales. It's now going to be at the San Diego Sports Arena. So if any of you um, in the San Diego area that are listeners of the show would like to go see UFC, you can go to the San Diego Sports Arena and check that out for the UFC on versus two pay-per-view. All, I mean, uh, cable event. Also, EA Sports MMA announced at E3 this week that Randy Couture and Fedor Emelianenko will be on the cover of EA Sports MMA. I'm going to discuss my thoughts on that in the video game segment because I have a lot to say about that shit. Um, want to talk a little bit about Strike Force. Their event was on Wednesday. Um, Strike Force ended up putting this event together in a rush because of the E3. They wanted to capitalize on the E3 audience because they were showing the MMA game there as well, which has a majority of uh, a large percentage of Strike Force fighters in there. I'm just going to run through the card real quick. The uh, catchweight 165, 160-pound fight between Connor Hewitt and KJ Nunes was uh, definitely a very exciting fight. I'm not a fan of KJ Nunes, but he definitely showed um, some great stand-up. He showed some really great work, especially in the later rounds, and he ended up beating uh, Connor Hewitt by split decision. Nonetheless, I was definitely impressed with the fight. Strike Force has a real. Uh, real big record, at least to me, of delivering subpar fights, especially on their Showtime events. But they've been stepping up lately, and Connor Hewn and KJ Nunes was a great fight. Um, Trevor Prangley and Tim Kennedy, also great fight. 
Tim Kennedy ended up taking that by submission, rear naked choke in round one. Um, I like Trevor Prangley. He's a, he's a great dude. You know, the, these guys, they took this fight on short notice. And great, great fight from Tim Kennedy for sure. His submission was awesome. One of the fights I looked forward to was Evangelista Santos. He was fighting on Marius Zoromskis. Um, Evangelista Santos, for those of you that don't know, is the husband of Chris Cyborg Santos. And Evangelista, no joke. I like Zoromskis. He's a cool dude. He actually, um, his fighting name is the Raging Demon. When he fights in Japan, he actually comes out dressed like Akuma from Street Fighter, which is actually pretty cool. So he got, a, he got some cool points in my book, and I actually like his fighting style. If you see some of the videos on YouTube, you'll see that he actually tries to do he he actually tries to do something similar to a hurricane kick in a fight. So he definitely gets points for that for sure. Um, Evangelista Santos though wasn't having any of that shit. He came in there and took the fight by TKO uh, punches in round one, just raining hammer fists on him. It was ridiculous. Um, it was funny because Zoromskis ended up trying to go for a flying knee, and Santos ended up catching him in midair and dropped him. When uh, he hit the ground, it was hammer fist. It was it forecast called for hammer fist, and they were raining down, so the ref stopped it with uh, TKO. The main event was a catchweight fight, 195 pounds between uh, Renato Babalu Sobral and Robbie Lawler. Um, I had actually picked Lawler. Lawler has really solid stand-up, but again, he definitely was tentative in this fight for some reason. I, I have a feeling it was partially because he respect he respected the stand-up game of Babalu. Um, Babalu ended up taking the first and the second rounds. Lawler ended up taking the third, at least to me, I felt. And um, Babalu ended up winning by unanimous decision. Uh, Lawler put up a good fight, but he, you know, he, he wasn't the Lawler that I, that I enjoy seeing fight in, in previous matches. This, the, he seemed to miss. I don't know if it was the catch weight, like I said, or respecting... Um, Sobral stand-up, but definitely not the best performance from Lawler, in my opinion. But overall, strike force delivered. Solid card for sure, from start to finish. Um, last few things that I have... Yes, I actually wanted to talk about the upcoming card for UFC 117, August 7th. Uh, Tiago Alves actually got clearance. It's his rumored fight with John Fitch is actually looking to be on a reality. Um, it's, it's looking to be a reality, I should say. Um, that fight, like I said, Anderson Silva and Chael Sonnen for the middle for the middleweight belt is the main event. Ricardo Almeida is going to be fighting Matt Hughes. That's going to be an awesome fight. Rafael Dos Anjos and Clay Guida, Thiago Alves and John Fitch, which is rumored, and Junior Dos Santos and Roy Nelson also on that card for sure. Also, UFC made the official announcement that UFC 118 in Boston, that's August 28th, um, the fight between Randy Couture and James Tony is official. I actually put up a video on the Facebook fan page of Randy Couture training with Brock Lesnar. This is the first time I've seen Brock Lesnar training since um, his diverticulitis issue. And let me tell you, for a guy that looked like he was dying a few months ago, he looks scary as shit. If you haven't checked that out, check it out on the Facebook fan page. Um, Brock Lesnar in rare form coming in as usual and showing a lot of great respect to Randy Couture. And I have a feeling that Randy Couture learned a thing or two from training with Brock Lesnar, and I think Brock Lesnar learned a thing or two from training with Randy Couture. I think that UFC 118 is going to be completely solid for sure. Um, Frankie Edgar and BJ Penn is definitely going to be awesome. Um, Couture and Tony, of course, Gray Maynard and Kenny Florian, uh, Paul Harris and Nate Marquardt are going to be all fantastic. Um, 
Puerto Rico's own Jorge Rivera is going to be fighting Alessio Sakara. I'd want to see that fight for sure. And um, Andre Winner's also on that card. He's fighting Nick Wentz. I'm, uh, whoops, Nick Lentz, sorry. Um, overall, definitely excited. Like I said, I'm hoping that My Take Radio will have a presence at the UFC Expo um, that weekend, something that probably Slick, myself, and probably my wife will be attending. So we'll be talking about that in the upcoming weeks. If we do go, there's going to be a lot of video, a lot of posts, and a lot of uh, shenanigans for sure. Hopefully none of us will get into any fights up there because it's the UFC, and they may fuck one of us up, but we'll make them, we'll make them look like they were in a fight for sure. With that said, I'm going to take a quick commercial break. I'm going to talk about the catastrophe that is wrestling, and then, of course, we're going to head right into the video game and E3 coverage. Be back in a few. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in, like, really high voices, like... <laughs> Well, you won't listen to that on our show, because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. All right, we're back. Let's talk some wrestling. First off, we had the TNA Slammiversary pay-per-view this weekend. Uh, the Slammiversary pay-per-view is pretty much their equivalent of WrestleMania. I'm going to say great card. TNA really delivered. There were a couple of surprises and some really great matches. Kurt Angle has been doing a new storyline where he's removed himself from the top ten rankings. If you're a wrestling fan and you want to contribute to the growth of TNA, you can go to TNA and vote for your favorite wrestler to be a number one contender for the heavyweight championship. Kurt Angle was in that. He removed himself. He said he's going to fight every wrestler from the 10th all the way up to make, him, to make himself ready for title contention. I think it's a fantastic storyline. His first match was against Kaz, and boy, was that... What a great pick, definitely. That match with him and, and Taz was fantastic. You had... Uh, German suplexes, people getting suplexed off the top rope, power bombs. It was, it was ridiculous from, from start to finish. I was super excited. Um, it ended up being Kurt Angle winning via submission with the ankle lock. Great start to a pay-per-view. Definitely the measuring stick for the rest of the evening. Uh, the TNA X Division title match had Douglas Williams, who's one of my favorite wrestlers. He was wrestling Brian Kendrick, uh, well, formerly from the WWE, the Brian Kendrick. Another great solid outing. Douglas Williams ended up winning via Tornado DDT. Uh, the knockouts match went from Madison Rain versus Roxy for the belt to it being uh, career versus title. It ended up turning. It ended up being that Roxy was released from TNA, which was a really stupid fucking move. And Madison Rain ended up winning with her version of Carlito's backstabber. In the advancement of the Dudley Boys and Jesse Neal storyline, and it ended up being Jesse Neal versus Brother Ray. Jesse Neal ended up winning partly because of a surprise appearance from the one and only, the one and only hardcore icon Tommy Dreamer, who is now officially a part of TNA. Um, he appeared in the crowd, at which point Bubba Ray got distracted. Jesse Neal hit him with the spear. That was it. Academic after that, one, two, three. Jesse Neal ended up winning. Tommy Dreamer and TNA is pretty good. I already smell them doing some sort of an extreme 
hardcore ECW faction with Tommy Dreamer and Raven, because half of those guys are in TNA, so I see it coming already. Whether they'll be faces or heels is one thing that remains to be seen. They're starting to write off the angle between Matt Morgan and Hernandez. Um, Matt Morgan ended up winning the fight, the, the match by disqualification after kicking the ref. So, um, uh, they, you know, they're going to actually get probably at minimum three matches out of these guys to help the feud move forward. Uh, wasn't the best match, definitely not, not super great, but in terms of angle advancement, I really had no issue with it whatsoever. Um, it's ridiculous because the one thing I definitely was expecting was a bit more of a brawl with these guys, but Matt Morgan actually just ended up doing the shenanigans and winning um, you know, the cheap way via DQ. Desmond Wolf was fighting Abyss. Um, Abyss, great match. Definitely a lot of uh, weird spots for sure, you know, barbed wire and all that crazy shit because it was a Monsters Ball match. But uh, Monsters Ball matches seem to be Abyss's strong suit. He does really well in them. He did well with AJ. He did well with Raven. Um, solid match. And this is actually going to lead to something with Abyss this week, which I will discuss uh, during next week's broadcast. Overall solid. AJ Styles fought Jay Lethal. That's actually part of the angle advancement with Ric Flair. Jay Lethal ended up winning. He ended up using a Northern Lights bridge because he countered a twisting senton from AJ Styles. Another great match, definitely. Once again, four, four or at least four-and-a-half-star quality match out of those two. Um, Mr. Anderson and Jeff Hardy, or as they affectionately like to be known as, the enigmatic assholes actually ended up fighting Beer Money. Uh, solid match, start to finish. Anything involving Beer Money is always good. I like Beer Money. They're a great tag team. Hardy and Anderson, not really sure how I feel about them. It's uh, one of those things where they really work well together, but um, it's weird because they are... I don't know. I mean, I'm really used to Anderson not being in a tag team and just working on his own, but working with Hardy is, isn't bad, and I think they, they play well off each other with the Jeff Hardy's weirdness and Mr. Anderson being a complete douchebag. I actually see potential in this, and I hope they keep them together for a bit. The TNA World title match, of course, was RVD versus Sting. Um, RVD, of course, ended up winning. Jeff Jarrett interfered in the match. He attacks Sting, RVD wins, Academic, five-star frog splash, one, two, three. Um, there are rumors that Sting was going into the fight with an injured shoulder. Um, again, Sting, my feelings on Sting are he's cool to have around, not 100% relevant. He was cool in, like, 1998. I mean, you want to keep him around, fine, because he sells a lot of merchandise. Kids like him and shit, but title matches... Keep him away. Keep him the fuck away from that shit for sure. Um, in sticking with TNA a little bit, Dixie Carter, who's the um, one of the owners of TNA, said that there was a couple of big surprises in the works. Uh, of course, one of the surprises was during the the you know the pay per view itself, Tommy Dreamer. But there's also rumors about people coming in to improve the creative process. There are two names being discussed. One being Kevin Sullivan, who actually did creative writing for WCW which isn't totally bad, but the name that I'm actually really excited to hear about is Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman, for those of you that don't know, was the creative genius behind ECW. Not only that, but whenever he's done writing for any company, especially WWE for SmackDown, 
it's just been such a huge improvement in product. He knows what to do and how to find the, the strengths and even the weakest wrestlers and make them look good. You're talking about a guy that took a schlub like Justin Credible and actually made him relevant. Unfortunately, you know, Paul Heyman, after his whole experience with WWE, has been working on a lot of different projects. Um, I've tried to reach out to him on numerous occasions to get him on the show. It's going to be a definite uphill battle because, you know, he's, he's a bigger fish, and if he signs with TNA, you can forget it. But who knows? I'm a huge fan of Paul's work. I think that him being involved in TNA is going to improve the product. He, yeah, he has his detractors, but he, the guy has a great creative mind, and I think he'd be great for TNA. So we'll see how that plays out. Now the big story. Brian Danielson, who you may know as Daniel Bryan from NXT, um, participated with the NXT rookies in whooping John Cena's ass last week. Shortly after that happened, it turns out that Daniel Bryan was released. Now, everybody said, ah, oh, Daniel Bryan got released. It's probably part of the storyline because of the whole NXT beatdown of John Cena, blah, 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 blah. Turns out that wasn't the case. Daniel Bryan was actually legitimately released because there's an unspoken rule about them doing any kind of strangulation because of the Chris Benoit incident. Um, if you've seen Monday Night Raw from last week, you'll see at, at one point in the broadcast, two things happen. Brian Danielson spits in John Cena's face. And uh, the other thing is that Brian Danielson was choking the announcer with his own tie which, you know, after the Chris Benoit situation was, you know, something that kind of became an unspoken rule. Let me be the first to say that WWE is trying to consider themselves a family-friendly product. They're going with a PG or a P13 rating. If you look on any programming, you'll see that they're trying to stay in a demographic of that, of that level. You know, they're trying to cater to the, you know, the 13, 14-year-old audience. They don't want to go really violent. If you've noticed, there's not that much blood on broadcast. And in addition to that, they're using it to get, um, they're using it to get better advertisers, which is fine. But you've got to take into consider consideration, this is a new, a new talent. He doesn't know about the unspoken rules. It's like, who gives a shit? But as it turns out, it wasn't something that WWE had to do, but on the contrary, it turned out that it was something that they were forced to do because WWE went into a partnership with Mattel to create, you know, the new wrestling figures that you see on sale now. And Mattel is a family-friendly company, so they actually made a call, so allegedly, and they were like, hey, what's up with this choking shit, you know? It's a little, a little much. So as it turns out, they ended up releasing Brian Danielson. They're going to let it die down, and allegedly they're going to bring him back. There's been petitions made up, which John Cena actually signed, and um, John Cena actually said on Twitter he signed a petition to bring Daniel Bryan, or a.k.a. Brian, Brian Danielson, back. And I have to give Cena credit for that for sure. Um, I respect that he did that, and he definitely has been very vocal on Twitter about the fact that Daniel Bryan shouldn't have got fired. I want to just a little bit, uh, delve a little deeper into this Chris Benoit situation. Look, I've been a wrestling fan all my life. I've seen these guys at their highs and their lows, from, you know, Chris Benoit killing, you know, killing his family and himself, to Eddie Guerrero dying, to Owen Hart dying, um, to Chris Canyon dying, blah, 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 blah. I can run down the list of these guys that have died, um, you know, drug use, drug overdoses, choking on their own vomit like Crash Holly did, um, 
suicide, the, the worst. Look, the Benoit thing was fucked up, but you can't erase it completely. And the fact that there's all these little unspoken rules and all this shit, wrestling is not real. And you know what? You're complaining about the announcer getting choked with his tie. How about this week when they tried to run over um, one of the wrestlers? How about that? That is one that, that, that should definitely be noticed. How about the fact that your divas are half naked? You're catering to the, to the tween audience. Don't get me wrong. Every 14-year-old kid I know has no problem seeing a pair of tits. But you've got to be legit, and you've got to call it like it is. Period. You're sitting there, oh, my God. This is too violent. It's a fucking announcer getting choked with a tie. What about when John Cena fought Umaga a couple of, uh, uh, I'd say a, a year or two back, he actually choked him out with a ring rope. How about, you know, Randy Orton kicking people in the head from announcers to, you know, Stephanie McMahon getting DDT'd? How about that shit? It, it, it was a real stupid move. It's, you know, you talk about that, but then it's like, you know, it's like... The, Jane is talking out of both sides of his face. You're saying, oh, yeah, we, you know, we're, we're family-friendly, blah, blah, blah. But then, hey, look, tits. There's a lot of shit that I just think that, you know, and, and it's part of me is because I'm a fan of Brian Danielson. I, I, I've watched his career from Ring of Honor till now, but I don't like the fact that, that he's being made the scapegoat for this particular situation. I'm really hoping that the petitions and stuff, and actually WWE sent a survey out, which I believe is actually in my inbox, in Gmail, in terms of, you know, would you like to see him back? And I'm more than sure that the overwhelming response will definitely change the dynamic and bring him back. In the interim, though, Brian Danielson is working the independents. He's wrestling on a couple of independent shows, so I'm hoping he comes back. We'll see what happens. Also, um, in, some, in some quick firings, Scott Hall got fired from TNA. First off, um, he went and got arrested in May and didn't tell TNA about it. And, of course, he's a tag team champion. It's ridiculous. Gets himself fucking arrested, comes back, and then doesn't expect to be fired. The guy has a, a lot of um, personal demons he needs to address. It was a no-brainer. Not for nothing, the old-siders... Just, just, it's not catching on, man. It, it just wasn't working. I really think he needs to take his opportunity and clean himself up. Rehab, Alcoholics Anonymous, something needs to be done because one day, and it's terrible of me to say, we're going to be reading in the paper and seeing that he's dead. But, and, and you know what? We're, we're, we're pretty much watching the guy kill himself with all this shit, with all these booze drinking and binges and shit. Somebody really needs to just take him and fling him straight into rehab unfortunate for sure for raw this week usually i talk about a guest host none has been announced so no guest host for this for raw this week so we'll see what happens there odb from uh tna uh one of the knockouts she actually ended up parting ways she decided it was best for her to leave the organization so she announced via twitter that she left who knows she may end up in wwe but nonetheless her character was really unique and given the quote-unquote, fan-friendly atmosphere that wrestling is going with, especially on the WWE side. I don't see ODB there anytime soon, but um, her tenure in TNA was good. I'm actually hoping that I can get her on the show. We'll see what happens with that, but um, 
great talent. Once again, just the knockout division in TNA, the women's wrestling division, is just taking an ass whooping with chicks getting injured, them firing females. It's a fucking nightmare. And to close it out, Batista was actually at Strike Force on Wednesday, and he was uh, interviewed by Dave Meltzer. And they asked him a couple of questions, as, number one being why he left WWE. First off, he stated that he left the company because he was unhappy with the direction the company was going. He said that it wasn't the wrestling that he enjoyed mentioning, of course, the Rock and Austin era. He also noted that he did not see himself going back anytime soon, but did not rule it out. He said that he's actually in L.A. looking for work and that he was unemployed. Batista has shown interest in MMA and has done some training, but at his age, going into MMA is not happening. First off, he left because he wasn't happy with wrestling, because the product changed. There's a guy that if he sneezed the wrong way, he'd be fucking injured. He'd actually be really good in a lot of the made-for-cable action flicks as, like, the bad guy, that's the number one henchman for the bad guy. He'd be good for that. I saw him in a movie that he was in with Rob Van Dam where he was one of the leads, and it sucked. His acting was abysmal. So for him to actually be considering acting, he has to be like um, an old bolo, you know, a bolo yang type of dude. He has to be that kind of a guy, just just not talking and fucking people up because he looks intimidating. It's crazy. I think that him sitting there and talking about how he's going into L.A. looking for work, Dude, you'd be good in wrestling. It's, it's ridiculous. Batista's a, uh, he's a weird character, man. He's, he's 40-something years old, hitting the midlife crisis. He got his nose pierced out of nowhere, all these fucking tattoos, and now I want to go make movies. Dude, you could barely wrestle, and you want to go make movies? Man, listen, you need to fucking take a chill pill and go back and do what you're good at. It's ridiculous. But um, I'm going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to talk some video games, and we're going to talk some E3. I'm more than sure that a lot of you guys are going to have your thoughts that you're going to want to share. And, of course, you're more than welcome to call in. That call in number is 347-324-3541. I'll be back right after this commercial break. Hey, everybody. This is Donnie Anderson from Tumbling with Tumbleweed, and I'm here with my daughter, Sophia, who has a very special message for all of you. Sophie? <gasps> Listen to Tumbling with Tumbleweed. Or my daddy will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will. <laughs> Live Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Blog Talk Radio Network. All right, that was Don Anderson, of course. You can catch his show, Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network, like the commercial said. Um, I am repeating myself, and that was fucking stupid. <laughs> Moving on. E3, of course, came and went um, like a cheap $5 hooker and left a bitter taste in the mouths of many gamers. And I'll tell you why. A lot of things that people were expecting didn't happen. People were expecting Hulu on the Xbox 360. Didn't happen. Instead, they ended up getting uh, ESPN. I don't know how many real gamers are hardcore ESPN fans, but do you really give a fuck? Does anybody really give two shits about ESPN on the 360? I really don't. I would have rathered Hulu, or I would have rathered something, some sort of an enhancement to programming. Fuck ESPN. I, I like sports like the next guy, but really? ESPN on your Xbox? Who gives a shit? It's ridiculous. 
all of just a whole there was a whole big press release. Oh my God, ESPN! No, no one gives a fuck. As much of a big deal as you make it out to be, that wasn't that big of a deal. I honestly could give two shits about it. Now the big thing that we did see was a new Xbox 360 that hopefully won't overheat and give you the red ring of death, which, conveniently enough, was removed from this new Xbox. The new Xbox Slim was actually unveiled at the E3 event, and, you know, I'm going to get into the Kinect for sure, but um, the Xbox 360 Slim, 250-gig hard drive, smooth, glossy black, kind of looking like a PS3, um, real touch-sensitive buttons, connect control in the back, um, separate optical out, so I don't have to f- buy a fucking $30 optical adapter that Microsoft conveniently gave me the hand job for. Um, also going to have built-in Wi-Fi. Way to go, guys, figuring that out a couple of years too late. And, of course, like I said, the 250-gig hard drive. You're going to get a glossy black controller, yada, 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 yada. 299 bucks. It's already on sale. All the press members that were at E3 got the new Xbox for fucking free. Why are we not there? Free Xboxes. If I would have been there and my wife would have been there and Slick would have been there, we would have gotten three free Xboxes. I would have given one of those motherfuckers out there in the show. Period. That's, but besides that, the Xbox, I have to admit, it's very nice. 299 bucks, 250 gig hard drive. You'll be able to buy um, the transfer cable for $20 so you can transfer your information over to the new hard drive. Here's the thing. Are any of you actually willing to go and get this new Xbox? That's the, that's the real question. First of all, me personally, I'm going to get it. I'll tell you why. I'm really weird with all my consoles being different colors, considering that the bulk of my home theater is black. I'm a fucking weirdo like that. So that was my first thing. Wireless being second. Um, the Connect port being third, because those of you that are using the older Xboxes and are planning on getting the Connect, you're going to need a separate power supply for the unit. So if you use the Connect port on the new 360, all of that's going to be plugged right in, and it's going to power the Connect unit. So for $299, what am I going to do? Sell my Xbox, take the money, apply it towards the new Xbox, and keep it moving. No big deal. My Xbox has a 120-gig hard drive. I can get a couple of bucks for it. Um, if any of you want to buy an Xbox, let me know. I'll probably post it in the forum first. I'm actually not against that because there's also some price drops. You're going to see um, $299 for the Slim. The Elite is going to be $249. And I believe the arcade is going to be 149 with rumors saying that they're going to do a slim arcade that may be $99. And that, my friends, is going to really change the game. Because when a console hits 100 bucks, that's when shit starts to get crazy. $149, you know, $199 for the Wii is great. But if Microsoft can drop their console to 100 bucks, yeah, sure, it won't have a hard drive. But $100, they're going to move a fuckload of units, period. I'm telling you that right now. So Microsoft, they're they're positioning themselves well, and they're stepping in the right direction. There's a lot of little innovations that I don't like that they're a little late on, like the fucking wireless. 
how does the Wii, that's a $149 Tinker Toy, have a fucking wireless, and the Xbox 360 that is considered the creme de la creme of gaming up there with the PS3 doesn't have wireless. And then if you want wireless, you've got to get a $99 wireless adapter. It's fucking horseshit. Microsoft really loves to stick their hand up your ass and use your intestines to pull strings and make you talk and blink. They really do. It, it bugs me out that they, they go, oh, yeah, you're going to go and you're going to buy this new Xbox. But wait. One of the things you're not going to be able to do is, I don't know, use any of the memory card adapters that we made you guys buy initially. No, you've got to use the USB flash drives. It's Microsoft, for every good thing, they have a couple of little issues that bother me. Now let's talk about the Kinect. The Kinect is Project Natal, Project Natal, whatever the fuck, Kinect now. That's what it's known as registers pretty much you can put in front of the TV it's motion activated it allows you to control the Xbox by voice and with gesture controls uh, it allows full body movement that it picks up and it moves to uh, detect motion and it detects movement there's a lot of people that are saying that the Kinect cannot really see black people now I don't know how legitimate that is I've heard different things um, of course, there's a lot of jokes about Slick being black and the system not being able to see him, but I'll let him address the, those jokes in the forums, in the chat. But the fact of the matter is the Connect definitely a strong showing, but again, there's a lot of shit that's just blatantly borrowed from the Wii. It's like Connect Animals, Connect Kart Racing, Connect Sports. It, it, it's all shit that the Wii has done. And, oh, yeah, yeah, we have this new thing. And, you know, yeah, the voice activation is cool. You know, like, you can, you can be like, pause Xbox. And it'll pause it. Um, play DVD. And, you know, of course, it's getting a new gesture-sensitive menu that will allow you to, you know, kind of control it like, um, what the fuck was that movie? Shit. The shit with Tom Cruise. Anyway, it allows motion control for you to move the menus around. It's definitely innovative. But... For all the shit that Microsoft talked about it, it really wasn't, it didn't jump out at me. I don't know if it's because I'm just, I'm weird with that shit, but it didn't, I don't know, man. It just, it, I felt very underwhelmed. I expected, you know, some real crazy shit. You know, they did the whole Cirque du Soleil and they do all this stuff, but it wasn't, it, I don't know, it just wasn't, it didn't grab my attention. You know, the, Actually, thanks, Hyena, like Minority Report. Thanks. Um, definitely like Minority Report, moving the screens with gestures. But, um, you know, the games I saw, like I said, Connect Sports, Motion Sports, EA Active, Biggest Loser, Connect the Moles, um, shit like that, it just it didn't jump out. It wasn't like, wow, this is the end-all, be-all. There's rumors that the system's going to, you know, the Connect attachment is going to run you $149. It's going to allow you to do video chat, and it's also going to allow you to do, um, you know, group movie watching via video. Now, if you've been on MyTakeRadio.com, you'll see in the post I said, you know, if you do want to watch movies together, let's take the Netflix thing for an example. If you want to watch a movie with your friends, they all have to have Netflix, which is kind of stupid because if you were to do it in the real world, let's say – 
I told everybody that's in the chat, hey, come by my house to watch a movie. They're not all coming to my fucking house with the same movie that we're all going to watch. They're going to come over and sit down on the fucking couch and watch my movie. So why is it that I can't take my Netflix account, send people a whole bunch of group invites, and watch movies like Mystery, like Mystery, you know, like Mystery Science Theater 3000? Why can't we do that shit? Why not? It's, I don't know, man. There's certain things, this whole Connect thing, nice, but... I don't know. It's not nice enough to make me want to part with 149 of my dollars. It's just not. Now, of course, Sony, not to be outdone, presented their PlayStation Move, which is pretty much like the Wii. I'm gonna uh, another blatant Wii ripoff. The only difference is that the Kinect allows you know you don't hold the controller; it recognizes your body. Now, the PlayStation Move, you know, you get a nunchuck type controller and you get a wand, and you do all this crazy shit, and, oh, look, I can shoot a bow and arrow. Oh, I can fight. Shit we've seen before, just with better graphics. Again, very underwhelmed. I, I thought it was cool, but not that cool. But the pricing is a little bit more competitive. The PlayStation Move is going to come out September 19th. The motion controller is going to run you 50 bucks, and the navigation controller is going to be 30 Not too bad. If you buy a bundle... You can get the PlayStation Move motion controller and the PlayStation Eye camera, plus the sports champion game and a PlayStation Move demo disc, and that's going to run you 100 bucks. So, basically, you're buying the Eye toy and the Move controller, and it's running you 100 bucks. Not too bad. It's going to be 80 if you buy the navigation stick and the motion controller, plus another 30 for the camera. Not a bad price for the bundle. Uh, again... I really want to see a little bit more. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of tech demos, and again, it looks promising, but it's just not something where I'm saying, I'm going to walk in and reserve this tomorrow. I actually, and it's funny, because it's not quite a Tales from GameStop, but I was actually in Target of all places, and they were actually hanging up the little reserve, reserve cards for you to reserve the PlayStation Move and the Connect. It's, yeah, man... I'm just not sold. I'm more than sure there's going to be some of you that agree with me or disagree with me on that, but I'm not sold. All this talk and all this shit and this posturing, just it didn't blow my mind like I expected it to. I'm more than sure there's going to be lots of connect jokes. I already said one, you know, when you have four-player ga four gameplay, you can call it connect four. Um, somebody made a joke about connect the dots, blah, blah, blah. But um, I see Slick is on the is on the line, and we're going to bring him in for the first call. Slick, what's going on? What's up, man? What's going on, dude? Tons of E3 shit. Let's talk motion controls. What do you yeah, got? The, the motion control thing, this is how it broke down. The Kinect, just like everybody said, was the one which probably had the most potential, but Microsoft dropped the ball because everything that was showcased to, to utilize the Kinect technology was stuff that the Wii did, like, back in 2006. And the one thing that was really, really cool with Kinect was the Star Wars demo, and that shit was fake. Yep. And the, the big thing that everybody was saying is, where's Milo? 
because you did that whole Milo demo last year that I said was fake, and Milo's nowhere to be seen this year, and this shit is coming out real soon for the holidays. Yep. So, looks like I was right. Milo was a bunch of bullshit, just like the original Killzone 2 demo. And that brings me over to the move. The move seems like a straight rip of the um, the Limo and the Nunchuck. The thing is, at least Sony had the smart idea of making some games people want work with it. Plus, that that Nunchuck accessory—I forgot the name of it—but you don't have to buy it. If yep, you don't want to buy it, exactly. So you really only have to buy the move. And they did this super smart thing of making Killzone 3 one of the big titles that's going to work with the move. So people are going to buy that thing. Well, yeah, but you know what? Okay, you can use it with the move. And, that, and, that's, and that's fine. But let's be honest. Do you, do you, are you not going to play Killzone regardless? Yeah, you made it compatible with the move. Big fucking deal. Big deal. You know, it was that, you know, just because some shit is compatible with some shit doesn't give you the merit to go and buy it. Like, okay, Killzone 3, beautiful. Trailer was fantastic. Rocket pack, shooting Hellgas soldiers, putting on fucking Hellgas helmet, just being a complete douche out of yourself. Great. Fantastic. The move is not doing anything that's gonna make the gameplay any less good. Like if you said to if you said to somebody, hey, if you use the PlayStation Move when playing Killzone Three, you get a different set of weapons. Like you can use the remote as like a knife, or you can use a bow and arrow, you know, like an electroshock arrow or some crazy shit, or maybe using the wand as a flamethrower. You know, making it relevant. You're just like, oh, yeah, it's compatible with Killzone. Who gives a shit? Like, honestly, is it going to change your opinion of the game because you can use the move? No. All I said is that that fact alone is going to move you. Sorry, no pun intended, but it is going to make the thing sell. And the fact that they're supporting the hardcore games and Kinect is doing the basically... Xbox WiiWare. Yep. And and it cost $150, and it was supposed to bring in the casual gamers. How are you supposed to bring in the casual gamers charging $150 for some shit? For, you're, you're, put it like this. You're charging $150 for a motion set. You're, you're charging $150 for an alarm. Because an alarm in your house has a camera and a motion sensor, and it follows you. That's what you're paying for. You're paying for a fucking alarm that you can play games with. Who gives a shit? Oh, look, I move left and right, and it moves. Oh, look, I jump, and my guy jumps. No one gives a fuck. You notice that the, that the nostalgia on the Wii is wearing off in terms of using the controller because you're seeing so many games being put out there for the Wii that the controller comes secondary. Like, I'm more than yeah, sure when GoldenEye... When GoldenEye for the Wii comes out, you know, you're not going to need the gun sh- I mean, you'll probably, you can use a gun shell and all that shit, but it's going to just be analog stick in one hand, wand in the other. Click, 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 move, move, move. Maybe, you know, flick the controller up to reload or some shit. 
But it's not the center stage. The control isn't the center stage for the gameplay. It's the game that's the center stage, and that sucks. Because it's like the Kinect is $149, beautiful. But like you said, great analogy, we wear games. How many times am I going to play EA Active already? I played this shit on the Wii. What, because I don't have to put the stupid armband on or hold a remote? It's going to be more innovative? Fuck you. $149 alarm system that passes itself as a game. Kiss my ass. No, they expect you to play to freaking perform yoga with it. <laughs> right. Right. And fucking run your ass off and jump it, the fucking jump hurdles. In, in a living room. Half, half of us have enough, barely have enough space as it is for us to move around. I see people jumping into shit, tripping and hurting themselves. It's going to happen. People got to understand. Yeah, the Wii, the Wii most people do a bit of TV with this and tall shit running around. People going to be stepping on their pets and on other people's feet. There you go. It's it's ridiculous. It's one of those things where you have this whole big thing in front of you, and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, you got to play. Put it like this. It's getting to the point where you have to dodge your DJ hero stand and remote. you got to move your rock band drum set, your guitar hero band set, your fucking case where you keep all that. you got to move all that out of the way. Then you have to make sure that your connect doesn't interfere with your Wii sensor, doesn't interfere with your PlayStation mo move shit. You got to make sure that you have ample play space when people are at your house. What the fuck, man? I, I, have, to, I have to move into a warehouse for people to play, at my, to play games at my house because the shit is that big. And the whole idea of home consoles was to simplify shit, make it smaller so you can play it at home. Instead of having a yeah. giant arcade cabinet. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's supposed to be enjoyable, but look, here, here's what happened. Gaming has always been a leisure activity. You pop in a game, you sit down, you look at the TV for eight hours, you go to sleep, that's it. Now they want to try and reinvent gamers as we see fit. Oh, we're just going to take the gamers and we're going to turn them from sedentary gamers to active, to active members of the gaming community. Are you crazy? Some fat motherfucker eating Cheetos is not going to want to sit, stand up, and row a boat. It's not happening. Some tub of shit that wants to sit there playing The Sims on the 360 is not going to want to stand up and play dodgeball. It's not happening. And if they do, they're going to be like, oh, i got a repeated stress injury from dodging balls on the fucking Kinect. I see a class action lawsuit coming against the Kinect. Yeah, I tripped and fell into my TV because I was trying to jump a hurdle in fucking Sonic Freeriders. Absurd. It is absurd. Dark Helmet said it best. He goes to the gym three to four times a week. He doesn't need to fucking play this shit, too. He doesn't need to move around more. I have to agree. But while I have you on the line, and we, we, we shit on Connect and we shit on the move, let's talk about the real strong showing from Nintendo with the 3DS. I mean, I was... You know you're going to buy it, so let's not, let's not kid ourselves. If it came out tomorrow, I'd buy this shit tomorrow. 
There you go. But, I mean, I was really... I, I thought, like, games like Pokemon Black and White were going to be, like, 3DS titles, but no. The games look at least... I would say at least GameCube quality graphically using Kid Icarus as an example. Yep. The one thing that pisses me off about it is they're doing what Nintendo always does with every fucking console and re-releasing old games again. <laughs> like, I don't want to buy Ocarina of Time again. I have but that shit sitting here. I can turn it on. No, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I have that shit for the GameCube, which means I have it for the Wii. <laughs> you really wouldn't buy it, dude? Even if they added, like, three new levels? <laughs> If they gave it to me for free the way I got it for the GameCube, I'd think about it. <laughs> well, you know what it is? Here's what happens with Nintendo, and I'm going to be honest with you. Nintendo knows what they're doing. They're, they're putting out names that we know, love, and trust. They know. Iwata knows what he's doing. Him, Miyamoto, and fucking Reggie, they sit there and they go, Hey, how can we take people's money this time? And they're like, oh, hey, let's put out, yeah, they're like, ah, let's put out a new Wii. Nah, we don't want to do that. The DS is the number one selling console ever. What can we do with that? I know. Let's make it 3D with no fucking glasses. Ding. Which that was that was like the the best thing ever. No glasses. Yeah, also, exactly. It seems that the three of them have been. You know, like, Reggie must have been making calls overseas saying, there are these two motherfuckers from New York on this show called My Take Radio, and they shit on the Wii every week because <laughs> Nintendo, no had really, no, Nintendo had a really fucking strong showing. Yep. And Let me tell you something. Donkey Kong Country, fucking GoldenEye, um, Mario Sports, Mario All-Star Sports, we could just those three titles alone are guaranteed at least gold status off the bat. They're all going to be at least solidly rated a nine at minimum, between an eight or a nine. If you might even get crazy and Goldeneye make it a fucking ten, that that's all only on the Wii. But let's also call it like this: you left the out Wii the killer. You left out the killer, which the is new which one? Zelda. Right, the new Legend of Zelda is, but you know what it is? I'm just talking about IPs that they know are guaranteed. Yeah, the Legend of Zelda is good, but it's, again, it's the same shit we've seen, so it's like, as long as it's not Link on a fucking train, we're okay. But let's look at the, let's look at the real showing here. The 3DS came out, brand new hardware. Let me run down a list of titles, third party and first party, that were showcased. Kid Icarus, Mario Kart 3D. Nintendo Dogs, Nintendo Cats, Pilot Wings Resort, Animal Crossing, Star Fox 64 3D, Steel Driver, Paper Mario, DJ Hero 3D, Resident Evil Revelations, Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater 3D, Professor Layton and the Mask of Miracles, Ridge Racer, Kingdom Hearts, Dead or Alive 3D, Samurai Warriors 3D, Battle of the Giants, Hollywood 61, Super Street Fighter 4 3D Edition, Ghost Recon, Splinter Cell, Saints Row, Madden, FIFA Soccer, Assassin's Creed Lost Legacy, Final Fantasy, and Ninja Gaiden. Those games are all confirmed. Look at that list, then look at how many real, legit games were shown on the Wii. You see the fucking problem? 
Yeah, I mean, it's still the portable getting more love, and especially from the third-party titles. I mean, you got freaking Snake Eater coming out, and the tech demo looks better than the whole Snake Eater game for PS2. Because it was really just a tech demo. It wasn't really the game, but it was the game engine. Street Fighter Four looks as almost as good as the freaking... 360 and PS3 versions, and on that screen, for the size that it is, it's going to look just as good. But this is my thing. You go out there, and, and, and you come out with this beautiful, innovative, sexy product that looks really good. You get three cameras on it, two on the outside, one on the inside. You get the cartridge slot. You get the SD card slot. You get Wi-Fi included, of course touch screen, you get the new analog stick, a motion sensor, a gyro sensor, a 3D control slider, a 4-inch stylus, parental controls. They got, it. They, they got money. It's a license for them to print money, and that's fine. But here's the problem. You got a 3DS. You got a DSi XL. You got a regular DSi. You got a regular Game Boy DS. What the fuck, man? And then you have the Wii, and the Wii sitting in the corner crying. Like the redhead and are like, why don't you love me anymore, Papa? Because you're not making us enough money. Well, that means in next year's E3, there'll probably be some kind of connector for the Wii that lets you play DS games. Well, I got I got one question for you. The DSi XL, you paid what one eighty nine for it, right? No, I paid seven dollars. Well, no, I mean legitimately. Yeah, like, that's, legit- that's what it costs. That's what it costs. One eighty nine. It costs one eighty nine for the DSi XL. The Wii is ten dollars more. What are you going to charge for the three DS? Three DS is going to be at least the cost of the Wii. It has to be. But that's what I'm saying. Like, how are you going to put out the DSi XL and then you're going to come out with this brand new, fresh, innovative shit that plays all the old shit that your other systems played, and then expect people to buy it? Motherfuckers are going to have three DSs. Three! What's going to happen is the same thing that happened when the XL came out. The cost of the DSi dropped, which means the cost of the DSi XL is going to drop, and they're probably going to drop it to like 159 and make the 3DS 199 Look, if they would have came out and said, we're going to make the Wii $99, and the 3DS is going to be 189 and we're going to drop the DSi XL to 149 And then we're just going to phase out the regular DS and the DSi for that matter. Just phase them the fuck out. It would have sounded better. But you know what it is? When you walk into your Toys R Us, your local Target, your local Best Buy, you're just going to see 19 different DSs. And parents are dumb. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be quite honest, and you know, as we all get older, we're all gonna become fucking dumb. So anybody who's offended, accept it. You get older, you get dumb. And when you walk in there and you go, Oh, which DS do you want? They're gonna go, buy this one that's $189. Period. You know how much confusion people are gonna have? Why do you need nine DSs? Why? Here's what you do. Hey, we got the 3DS coming out. The DSi XL is going to stay for those of you that just want a game with that. Or you know what? Phase them all the fuck out. Why put out a bigger DS 
with the 3DS in your back pocket. It probably will face something out when when it comes out, but I don't I don't want them to phase out the DS Lite just because that's the last one that still has the Game Boy Advance port. Okay, so keep that one, but but think about it. Think about it for a second. Now that you bought the DSi XL, and I know you like it, I know you do, don't you feel a little annoyed that you bought that shit knowing that the 3DS drops right now? Like, aren't you, and I know you're probably going to be like, no, not really, because you enjoy it and you like the bigger screen and all that, and that's fine. But think about it. From just, a, from just a non-gamer standpoint, from a non-hardcore gamer, and just as a casual guy, I'd be pissed, dude, if I just dropped $200 for this shit to come out a month or two later. Now, I know exactly what you mean, because the thing is, Nintendo counts on early adopters, and anybody who got the DSi on that, the DSi Excel on that Sunday when it dropped, they didn't announce the 3DS for a couple of weeks after that. Right. So you got people, let's say you're sitting there playing your, your XL and you're watching TV or, well, really, you're on your computer, and imagine you just get this commercial flash across your screen, coming soon, the 3DS. You're like, what? Yep. It's like, it, what it, the fuck it, is that? It really is. And again, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, the clear winner of E3 was Nintendo. Of course. If anybody chooses to dispute that, by all means, you're welcome to call. Nintendo won E3. And I'll tell you why. And I'm going to cover this over the next few episodes, like I said. Nintendo won E3 because they came in with a piece of brand new hardware, completely brand new. Not motion control joysticks, not fucking motion control alarm system that, that substitute as video games. They came in with a tangible piece of hardware. And behind that hardware were some of the most familiar and most money-making titles in their roster. They dug Kid Icarus out of the fucking closet. That's how you know. They dug his ass out of a grave. They dug Kid Icarus and the Eggplant Wizard out of that. They brought, they brought him back. They bring back Pilot Wings. Pilot Wings and Star Fox. You know when, that, when, when Star Fox comes out, there's going to be a console ass whooping. Because whenever console, whenever Nintendo says, we have Star Fox, I don't know what it is about a fox flying a little fucking polygonal ship that makes fanboys cream in their pants. I don't understand. Because I personally think Star Fox sucks. Because of the stupid frog ribbit. It's like, it's like, me, 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 ribbit, ribbit, ribbit. Oh, no! Ribbit, ribbit, ribbit. Me, 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 It's like, that's all it is. That's all it is. There's no story. There's a fucking fox in a plane going, me, 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 and a fucking frog going, yeah, we're going to die. It's like, what is that shit? Think about it. What does it really accomplish? But you know what? They had to do that. Like, Star Fox. It accomplishes the like, barrel. That's it. It's like, well, I remember when Star Fox came out, you're going to have this big 3D effects chip, which is funny because our, our Katie brought that up. 3D effects chip. I remember playing the game, and I said, 
This looks like a whole bunch of triangles on a map problem just put together. That's what that is. Look, I'm flying a math problem. <laughs> you know, P Pythagorean theory flying through the air. Get the fuck out of here. It's so stupid. I'm like, look, but, but I tell you what, there's a whole bunch of people that saw Star Fox and they're like, <sighs> Star Fox. <sighs> it's like it's motherfucking Kid Icarus on your screen. Kid Icarus. Oh, no, Star Fox. No one cares. Pilot Wings. Who played that shit? Who? Who played it? Did you, did you really go out of your way to play Pilot Wings? Pilot Wings is the game that your aunt or uncle buy you as a Christmas present. Oh, it was such a great game. Because they don't know shit about gaming. But that's the game they'll buy you. That, oh, yeah, it was on sale. Of course it was. Of course it was, Aunt Trudy, because the game stinks. <laughs> Me and your Uncle Harold saw this game. We thought you'd like it. You fly in planes and you get to wear a rocket pack. And, and, and you're all excited. You open it up thinking it'll be like Metal Gear or some shit. And then you see a fucking biplane and a little wee with no feet jumping out of it. Pilot Wings was a Super Nintendo and the Nintendo 64 equivalent of getting socks for Christmas. It's true. But um, but not to hammer the rest of E3 out, um, you know, since you've, did a, since you've done such a great job with the coverage, um, I definitely got to tell you, Mortal Kombat looks good, but here's the funny thing. PlayStation decided to announce that when you buy the new Mortal Kombat, you can play it in stereoscopic 3D. Because the Sony PS3 released a 3D update, and of course, if you have a 3D TV, you can sit in your living room with a big pair of 3D goggles staring at your television. You know what? I gotta say one more thing. I gotta bring up one point. So, something that's even sadder than the Kinect. Shoot. Two titles came out with, you know, the same names. One for consoles and one for Xbox Live and PSN. Right. Sonic Colors and Sonic 4. How right. sad is it that the PSN slash Xbox Live arcade version looks way better than the, the, the full-price $60 game? Very simple, and I'll tell you why. Because here's what happens. These guys wake up. It's like, put it like this, it's like being a mad scientist and you're capable of creating biological weapons to kill people, but you're just a chemistry teacher in a school. That is pretty much the equivalent of console games and PSN and Xbox Live games. You've got all this great talent and these guys can make awesome games, but they're like, you know, let's make a game that's five bucks and make it fun. So this poor bastard goes, all right, fuck it. I'll just invest all my energy into this great $5 game. It's really sad when games like Shadow Complex are far superior to $60 games like Wet. You know, but, but, Shadow, that's, but Complex has, Shadow Complex has a competitor this season. Yeah, but, but what I'm saying... Crazy. I understand, you know, and I'm just using that as the example because you're looking at a $60 console game. Look, 
I can run down a list. I can say Dishwasher Dead Samurai, Shadow Complex, Castle Crashers. Um, right off the bat, those games. Zombie Apocalypse, if you want to get crazy. Trials HD. Um, Explosion Man. Great games. Some loads better than the $60 games that are out there. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's funny, and that's what I'm saying. You see Sonic Colors, and you're like, oh, wow, that's a really cool game. Then you see Sonic 4, which is a network game, and you're like, oh, that's pretty badass. Fuck Sonic Colors. You know, it's like, why am I going to buy that? It, uh, here's a good one. Scott Pilgrim. You saw the trailer. Why wouldn't you want to buy that? That's better than half the shit out there. Right or wrong? You're absolutely right. There's a lot of there's a lot of good games that that were in E3, but that that's just an example of you know piss poor pro programming when you have the same basically the same company putting out the same game twice, and the version that shouldn't be better is better. Well. Before I wrap up the, the video game segment and head into movies, I got two things to pose to you. DJ Hero 3D on the 3DS. How the fuck are you going to play that? I got a better question for you. Fucking Rock Band 3 and Guitar Hero 6 or whatever. Yep. The, playing the real guitar shit. Yep. Why? They want, well, I'll tell you why. Because what happens is you get a lot of these, you know, man... I'm not going to play that, man, because it's not real instruments, man. You know, you got those, 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 those fucking guys. Look, man, I want to use the real guitar. You're not, it's not a real instrument. I have a buddy of mine. Lee, he's listened to the show. He's done some stuff. He really was against DJ Hero because he was a DJ, and he felt it was infringing on something that he worked hard his whole life to get good at. And I respect that. What's happening is that they're running out of ideas. When you're selling me Rock Band with a keyboard, that's a problem. When I have to play, when I have to, yeah, with a guitar and a keyboard and real instrument. Look, you guys have gone to the well once too often. Unless I open up a fucking a fucking Rock Band and Axl Rose jumps out. Why do I need to keep buying more instruments? Don't they realize I have a, a small living room? Why do I need more shit? You know, oh, you need a keyboard, you need a drum set, you need a mic, you need a guitar, you need a bass guitar, you need a pan flute. You need a violin, you need an accordion. It's like, stop. How about this? Put out one set of instruments, and then you just release a, 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 new, a new album or a new um, game every couple of months. Why do you have to make people buy more shit? And that's the thing I really don't get, because if they did it that way, they'd actually make more money. Because that DLC, that shit adds up, and that winds up costing a lot more than buying individual games. It is true, because it's like before you, after you buy track packs, because they're being smart, you get the Ozzy Osbourne track pack if you're a metalhead, and then you get the, you know, the Disturbed track pack or the System of a Down track pack or the Queen track pack, and then before you know it, you've spent like 150 bucks on music you already own. Strider said, Strider said Cowbell, which of course is always good. But um, 
Like I said, uh, I don't want to. Hero. Oh yeah, I don't want to beat the the E3 thing up too bad. But I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna ask you, um, what what made you want to you know want to go out and buy a title the most? Which title was was the one that you were like, I, if this comes out tomorrow, I'm buying it. Which title or hardware? Which which was it for you? If I had to pick one right now, because there really are a couple, but I'm going to go with the sleeper hit. I'm going to go with Majin and the Forsaken Kingdom, because that one, the concept of it reminds me of games like Eco and Shadow of the Colossus and Beyond Good and Evil, and it's, it's going to go over a lot of people's heads, and it already looks fantastic. Okay, fair enough. Did any of the hardware presentations jump out at you? And this is a no-brainer because you're probably going to say the 3DS. But the 3DS was the only real hardware presentation. Okay. What would you think of the Slim 360? The same thing I think of every Slim console. If When and if my console breaks, I'll think about it. Okay, fair enough. Well, and I'll tell you what I like. Three, ga- three games that jumped out. Metal Gear with Metal Gear Rising with Metal Raiden Rising. Cutting, cutting shit up. Fantastic. And it had violence, which, I, which I'm a fan of. And um, besides that, I gotta say Splatterhouse, of course, and Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Three titles that if they came out tomorrow, I would probably forego paying at least one bill to buy. Okay, three titles? The the Majin game, let's see. I would say probably I think I might I might go with true crime. Okay. Because the the fighting looks sick and the whole the whole way they get everything else I, I think it'll be giving GTA a run for its money. Okay. Fair enough. And the third one? Uh, I'm going to just go simple and say Russian attack. Okay. Nice. Not bad. All right. Well, like I said, I'm going to do the panel on the 24th, so I'm more than sure. I know Kevin is in the chat, but I know when, 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 when all these people from E3 and, you know, us all get mixed together, I'm more than sure that this is going to be a very interesting show. But, um, yeah, we're going to, that's going to wrap up the game segment. Like I said, I don't want to beat the E3, the E3 thing too bad, because there's a lot to cover over the next two weeks, I would say. Absolutely, man. All right, buddy. Thanks for the assist this week, um, in terms of site work and, of course, with this segment. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right. Let's talk some movies. For those five people that are in there, Twilight fans, Breaking Dawn is not just going to be one film, it's going to be broken into two parts, borrowing from the old Harry Potter formula. Twilight Saga The Eclipse comes out at the end of this month, June 30th, you know, with the vampires and the four-legged wolves fighting. I don't give a fuck about Twilight, I don't, but it really bugs me that they're really just squeezing the proverbial booger out of the quarter with Breaking Dawn. Oh, we're going to make it into two. 
The first film is going to be released November 18th, 2011, and then one shortly after that. It, it's just another way to drum up sales. I swear if they say it's going to be in 3D, I'm going to go and find the head of the studio and punch them in the face. But for those of you that give a shit, Twilight Breaking Dawn will be in two parts. So that should be interesting. Bleeding Cool has actually released a bit of a news nugget for the upcoming Spider-Man reboot, and the villain isn't going to be your normal Green Goblin or any of that. Nope. They're actually going to go with the Lizard as the villain. Um, there's a rumor saying that Michael Fassbender, who's been rumored to play Magneto in X-Men First Class, may actually be up for the role of the Lizard to face off against Spider-Man in the upcoming reboot. Originally, they wanted to go with the Vulture, but they have since scrapped that idea, considering that John Malkovich was going to play the Vulture in Spider-Man 4. So, with the reboot, you may be seeing the Lizard as the main villain. For those of us that actually enjoyed that piece of shit Van Helsing movie with Hugh Jackman, take solace in the fact that Guillermo del Toro, who is no longer working on The Hobbit, is actually going to be doing a new Van Helsing movie for Universal. It's not going to be a sequel to the Hugh Jackman one. It's going to be a completely new version, of course, based off the fictional vampire hunter from Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, they're saying that, the, that they're going to go with an action horror vibe instead of the comedic elements from Van Helsing that so ruined the character for me. Um, before I get into it, I'm going to say this. Van Helsing, I expected it to be really, really good. You know, and I expected a little bit of campiness like The Mummy. I expected that. But Dracula just being an, an emo prick and the Brides of Dracula just, meh, 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 just whining and floating around and vampires hatching from eggs hanging on the ceiling. Who? Who came up with that? Who said that Dracula's brides are going to shit out eggs that are going to give birth to little bats? Who? Who said? Who, who decided that was a good idea? Hugh Jackman's a good actor. I like him. He's a good actor. When they told him, hey, when you get to Dracula's castle, the eggs are going to hatch. If I were Hugh Jackman, I would have been like, hold on, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. Eggs? When the fuck do vampires lay eggs? When? Right there, I would have I said, rewrite. Oh, no, we're going to go. We're going to... No, no, no. I'm really hoping that Del Toro gives the Van Helsing name justice and does a good job with it. I mean, they did a good job with the Wolfman... Bram Stoker's Dracula, of course, is good. Um, it needs to be done. These are all iconic figures and just keep getting bastardized by all these guys that want to make it a funny movie or a kid-friendly movie. Just make the character how it's supposed to be. Van Helsing goes and kills vampires. That's it. Del Toro should do a good job with it. But, again, I've said it before, some things start out really good and just end terribly. In keeping with the theme of Spider-Man news, the rumored... Actors that are in the running for Spider-Man now are Aaron Johnson from Kick-Ass, who played, of course, Kick-Ass, and Anton Yelchin, who was in Star Trek and in Terminator Salvation. They're both in the running for Peter Parker in Spider-Man. Personally, I would go with Aaron Johnson. He has already the experience with Kick-Ass. Um, he's, a, he's a decently nerdy-looking kid, and I think he'd do really good. Yelchin, not so much. I think he's spreading himself too thin, and he's popping up in all these other movies. I think Aaron Johnson, he, he, he'd do well coming off of kick-ass and going into a role like Spider-Man, for sure. The report says that Mark Webb has looked at a lot of actors, but screen testing is going to start soon, and these are some of the guys that are in contention. 
if you guys had to choose, would you go with Johnson or with Yelchin? I personally, like I said, would go with Johnson. I'm more than sure that there are going to be others that have their own preferences. I used to say that McLovin would make a bad Spider-Man, but I'll take Aaron Johnson in the role for sure. Uh, Sam Raimi, who of course was originally tied with Spider-Man 4, is working on the World of Warcraft movie. But they're saying that he's actually going to delay that and go into doing a movie about Oz the Great and Powerful, which will be a prequel for The Wizard of Oz. So let me get this straight. You're going to stop making World of Warcraft, which is going to be awesome if done right, and you're going to do a prequel to The Wizard of Oz. Why? Why would you do that? Why would you go and do a prequel to a movie as iconic and legendary as the, word is, as the Wizard of Oz? Who gives a fuck about the wizard? I don't care. Judy Garland, red shoes, little fucking Oompa Loompa looking fucks running around munchkins and flying monkeys and a wicked witch and a lion and a, and a fucking tin man and a scarecrow. I don't care about the Wizard of Oz. I don't care how he got the job. I don't care if it comes with benefits. I don't care if he gets wick and fucking food stamps for the job. I don't care. Make the World of Warcraft movie. It's going to make you a fuckload more money. Really? Oz the Great and Powerful? Sam Raimi, what are you doing? What are you doing? Do the Warcraft movie. World of Warcraft, I'm more than sure you will do a good job with. Oz? Really? Fuck out of here. Here's another one. Brett Geisner, who is working on the remake for Escape from New York, is going to start working on a new comic series, uh, from 19, uh, a 1985 comic series, mind you, called Blood of the Innocent. The series is set in old London, and it's going to be a story of Dracula taking on Jack the Ripper. Dracula versus Jack the Ripper from a comic book from 1985? Listen to yourselves. We're going to reenact a 1985 comic book. And Dracula's going to fight Jack... No. No. Why? Here's the best part. Breck Eisner and Bill Marsili are working on a script for Flash Gordon also. So they're going to do a new Flash Gordon movie. Then he wants to make a movie about Dracula fighting Jack the Ripper. Plus he wants to do Escape from New York. All these movies are going to suck. Unless Flash Gordon has an awesome soundtrack and good actors, it's going to suck. Dracula fighting Jack the Ripper is pretty much like doing the Geico cavemen fighting the guys from CSI. No one gives a fuck. And Dracula would beat Jack the Ripper because Dracula can't fucking die. Hello? It's like pirates versus ninjas. No. Oh, God. But you know what? Let's talk some box office totals. The Karate Kid came and whooped the A-team's ass this week by earning $56 million. They made $15,288 per movie theater. The film had a budget of $40 million, already well over, $60 million over, already talk of a sequel. Everybody I've spoken to, I, I feel like an ass, they're like, it was good. For what it was, it was good. The A-Team came in at $26 million. They had a budget of $110 million. That is a long way to go. 
Shrek Forever dropped from the number one spot to number three, $15.8 million on the fourth weekend. It's made $210 million, had a budget of 165. Successful. Get him to the Greek, dropped two spots to number four, $10.1 million, it made 36 and a half, had a budget of 40. I'm more than sure this weekend it'll hit the 40 mark and then it'll start becoming profitable. Killers, which had the two worst leads ever, with Ashton Kutcher and fucking the broad from Grey's Anatomy. Katherine Heigl, yes, rom-com queen. She sucks. She's like, you know what she's like? She's like a zit on your ass. It's very annoying when you sit, but it feels gl- you feel glad when it's gone. I'm, I can't stand her. In every movie she does with her crinkly nose and her ha-ha, sideways, head-tilting smile, she sucks. Fuck does she suck. And Ashton, why does he make movies? Keep doing fucking punked. You stink. I'm not surprised this movie fell to number five. It made $30.6 million. It had a budget of 75. No. Second weekend, not profitable. Katherine Heigl is a tumor. When she's in a movie, it's guaranteed to suck. It's absurd. Prince of Persia dropped to number six. $6.6 million, made 72.3. It had a budget of $200 million. Jake Gyllenhaal and his six-pack abs couldn't sell this shit if they tried. And it sucks because it's a really well-done video game flick. Everybody that I've seen says the same thing. Look, the plot is fucking paper thin. It has more holes in it than a slice of Swiss cheese. But it's, it's decent. It's a fairly decent film. And the fact that it's nowhere near successful, did they spend that $200 million on parkour effects and sand? Because really it was $200 million to make that shit? How is that movie $200 million? But the A-Team is 110. How do you have a bigger budget than the A-Team? It's ridiculous. Marmaduke. One spot to number seven. $6 million. $22.2 $22.2 million total. Had a budget of 50 It's Owen Wilson doing the voice of Marmaduke. A giant Great Dane that in this movie talks. Anybody who buys that or goes to see that should once again get hot oil thrown in their face. And that's nothing. Because if you go to MyTakeRadio.com, you'll get to see the teaser trailer for that other upcoming gem, The Smurfs. If you haven't seen it, you really should go check it out because you'll be ready to get smurfed. That is the tagline. It's right up there with Eddie Murphy in Eddie Murphy. I guarantee you it's going to be that same voice doing, get ready to get smurfed. Papa Smurf is back. Smurfalicious. There's going to be so many Smurf analogies I just hope that by the time this movie comes out, the world explodes. Because it's, it's just going to be that. It, it's going to be like Handy Smurf and Papa Smurf and Katy Perry is Smurfette and all this shit. And there's going to be a huge marketing blitz. And then the world is going to blow up. Hopefully before the movie comes out. I hope. Sex in the City 2 
seems that the old whores are still at it, dropped to number eight, $5.5 million, made 84.7, had a budget of $100 million. Guess the female demographic was just tired of seeing women with better shoes than they have. First one, runaway hit. The second one, tepid response. Why? No one gives a shit. Iron Man 2 fell to number nine this week, $4.5 million, made, two, made $300 million total, had a budget of $200 million, obviously successful, made $590 million worldwide. Splice was the top, the 10th the movie, $2.8 million. It's made $13 million in two weeks, had a budget of $30 million. Now, before I move away from this, a lot of people are saying that Splice is a real interesting movie. It's not great, but it's interesting, and it's worth seeing. So, definitely, I'm probably going to watch it as a rental or some shit, because the concept seems interesting. I'm more than sure that it sucks, but I'll check it out, because I, I really want to see it and hopefully do a review for the site. A little bit of TV news. For those of you that are fans of AMC's breakout hit Breaking Bad, it is coming back for a fourth season. It's one of the, um, according to the press release, Breaking Bad is one of the most layered and intense dramas on television today. The critical acclaim and strong audience growth we've seen in season three reinforce that this is the kind of exceptional original storytelling AMC has become known for providing to audiences. Vince Gilligan and his team deliver bold storylines that truly push the psychic envelope and create a mesmerizing, exhilarating television experience. We look forward to an incredible fourth season. Now, I'm happy about that. Breaking Bad is a really great show. People say it's awesome. I've seen one or two episodes. I like what I see. I'm probably going to watch it on Netflix or something. But I, I want to get into this, this release that they put out. Why can't they just say, Breaking Bad is a great show, people like it a lot, and we're going to do a fourth season? Why do you have to go and go really deep with it? It delivers and pushes the psychic envelope and mesmerizing and exhilarating. Why are you selling us on something that's good? Just be like, hey, the, se the show is so good, we're bringing it back for a fourth season. Sometimes less is more, and in this fucking particular statement, it should be. In keeping with a little bit of the Marvel movie news with Spider-Man, talk a little bit about X-Men First Class, Amber Heard is in, the, is in the running to play the young mystique. Rosamund Pike, which I talked about last week as being considered for the White Queen, is now actually being considered for the royal of Moria McTaggart, who, of course, is Professor X's assistant. James McAvoy is playing a young Professor X. Michael Fassbender, who is rumored to play the Lizard, is also rumored to play Magneto. And Aaron Johnson from Kick-Ass, who is rumored to play Peter Parker, is going to be playing the role of Cyclops in this movie. And uh, Deadpool. Deadpool is a great character. Love him to death. The Merc with a Mouth. Happy that he's in Capcom versus Marvel 3. His movie is on the verge of being put together and done. Ryan Reynolds is allegedly going to reprise the role. The problem was the story, the director. But here's a little bit of news. It seems that they're leaning towards Robert Rodriguez directing this movie, which is going to be fantastic if he does. Um, Robert Rodriguez is currently working on an offering of the Planet of the Apes reboot, which they gave, and he declined. Rodriguez already has Machete and Predators coming out this year. He's also working on a, sport, on a fourth Spy Kids movie. Why? I don't know. 
Ryan Reynolds is still reportedly attached to star in Deadpool, and the writers from Zombieland, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, are working on a script. I think Robert Rodriguez would be a great fit. He's a great actor. He did a fantastic job with Desperado, and I think he would be an ideal fit for the Deadpool movie as well. So definitely a, a, a nugget of news I'm going to be looking forward to as well. In some Aliens prequel news, Ridley Scott actually gave a couple of plot details for the upcoming Aliens prequel, which are going to be two of them. The first movie is going to tell the story of the space jockey and how it came to meet the aliens, and then they're going to go into the second film to tell where the space jockey came from. Of course, you're asking yourself, what the fuck is that? The space jockey is the carcass that was shown in the alien movies. It's a suit inside a suit of a being. That's the fossil that was shown in Aliens. That's the space jockey. So pretty much they're going to delve into the origin of that and how the aliens came to the planet where the space jockey was. Obviously, as a prequel, it's going to take place before Alien, and they're going to look at the, uh, at the astral system Zeta-2, which also was an alien, and they're going to use that for all the prequels. They're already working on pre-production. Sadly, it's going to be in 3D, and there's no confirmation yet that a prequel was already written up. So, the first part of the prequel done, second part, not so much. Scott said that he plans on going back to the roots of the franchise and making it scarier, which is fine. I mean, the original Alien is a classic. Aliens is my favorite. Um, Alien 3, not so much. Aliens vs. Predator, love-hate relationship, but I think the original Aliens was good, and if they go back to that formula, I definitely see it being successful. Now, every week I do the movies, every week there's a couple of what-the-fuck stories. Here's the first one. The movie The Incredible Mr. Limpid, 1964 movie that starred Don Knotts, a.k.a. Mr. Furley, and it's about a man who wishes he was a fish and gets transformed into one. Simple enough, right? It was really exciting in 1964. They wanted to do a remake. They wanted Johnny Depp to play Mr. Limpid. Uh, but Johnny Depp isn't doing it anymore, so now it's going to be Zach Galifianakis. He's going to be playing Mr. Limpid, and it will be a hybrid of live action and animated scenes. You're remaking a movie from 1964. I was an itch in my father's pants in 1964. Are you kidding me? Is it, is it really that bad? You're doing a movie starring Mr. Furley. Fucking Don Knotts. 1964. Why? And yes, Wolf, Mr. Mr. Limpet was fantastic. It was a great movie. Great movie I watched in my childhood. Fantastic. Johnny Depp was going to play him first. Ah, Zach Galifianakis can probably make it funny. He was actually one of the high points in The Hangover. But a 1964 movie about a guy that wants to be turned into a fish. Who wants to see this? Uh, it is true. Somebody in the chat, my nephew, said it's not going to be as bad as the Monopoly movie. This is true. And we can't forget the Magic 8-Ball movie either. Because remember, that has Oscar-winning material all over it. The Magic 8-Ball flick. So excited for that one. 
In some Megan Fox news, she said that she's actually looking to star in the movie based on Fathom. For those of you that don't know, Fathom is a movie based on the Michael Turner comic book. Um, of course, she wants to play the role of the woman named Aspen, who learns that she is a member of a race of, of aquatic humanoids that possess the ability to control water. Okay, fine. It works. Fathom, a little too obscure for the main audience, but if it's done really well, if, you, if you've seen how Avatar is, you can kind of relate to how the Fathom universe is. If they go in that route with that type of special effects, not terrible. Megan Fox in the lead, don't know about that, but eh, it happens. Of course, like I said, the Karate Kid sequel already being discussed. I refuse to elaborate on it any further. Michael Jai White, of course, was asked about the Mortal Kombat rebirth. I am going to tell you guys, I did send Michael Jai White's agent an email to see if he'll come on the show because I want to talk to him about Mortal Kombat and Black Dynamite. So, we'll see what happens. I hope I hear something in the next few weeks. If that happens, you know I will put a huge announcement on MyTakeRadio.com. Nonetheless, when he was questioned about the Mortal Kombat rebirth, he says, I'm very happy about the short. I, I thought everybody's going to enjoy this, and I felt that we were on to something. He's like, I've always wanted to see something like this. When asked if he was familiar with Mortal Kombat, I actually found out some really interesting facts. He goes, I am a huge fan, absolutely. In fact, I was cast in the last two Mortal Kombat movies. I was cast as Jax in both movies, but unfortunately, other roles came around. With the last Mortal Kombat movie, I was cast as Jax, but then the Spawn script came out, and New Line decided to have me play Spawn instead of Jax because they felt it was a much bigger role for me. But literally, I've lost a role twice. So I'm very happy to have the opportunity to play this character finally. On why he wants to play Jax, he feels that Jax is a badass anti-hero, and he's a little bit constrained, and he's actually going to go and give a different dimension to the character, especially with the, you know, letting Scorpion into the tournament, you know, from a law enforcement standpoint. I'm going to be honest with you, the, the Mortal Kombat short showed a lot of promise. It showed that they looked at the storyline from a different angle and went with a different feel, and that's, that's fine. I don't mind that. See, a, a reboot like that, I don't mind if they really take the time to give great backstory for the source material. One thing I liked in that Mortal Kombat Rebirth short was for Reptile's origin, they went really deep, like skin condition when he was a kid, and he became a cannibal, and I like that. That shows that the person who wrote that took some time and really researched the characters and really wanted to give a new type of feel to the franchise. And, and I respect that. I actually hope that the Rebirth Project takes off because it's something I, I really want to see. I want to see if it, can, if it can stand on its own and erase the stench from the second Mortal Kombat movie. The first one was tolerable, but the second one was a bag of shit. So should be interesting for sure, and I'm hoping that it does get approved. Due to some script issues, you're gonna, you guys are going to love this. Due to some script issues, the big screen adaptation of Fraggle Rock is on hold. The Weinstein Company is current look, currently looking for a new writer to rewrite the script. Here's why they wanted to rewrite Fraggle Rock. The overall note from the studio is that the movie is not edgy enough. That's what we're trying to do with the Fraggle Rock movie. We're trying to make it edgy. 
edgy is one of those things that when I hear you want to make something edgy, it's because it's not meant to be. How are you going to want to make Fraggle Rock edgy? I got an idea. The same way they made the Twins and the Transformers edgy. How about everybody in Fraggle Rock talks like they're from the hood? How about that? Like, yo, my nigga Red, what's really good, yo? I don't know, man, but it's getting crazy over here in Fraggle Rock for real. How's that for edgy? Let's make it real urban. How about stick-up kid Fraggle Rock, where, where Red gets robbed at the bus stop? Look, I love my childhood programming. I love my He-Man, my Masters of the Universe shit, G.I. Joe, Voltron, Silverhawks, Bionic 6, the fucking Snorks, the Paw Paw Bears. I watched all of that growing up. Thundercats, um, Mask. I can go on and on and on of all the great shit I watched growing up. And then you say, all right, we're going to do Fraggle Rock. Okay, fine. When I think of Fraggle Rock, I think of things that are fun and enjoyable, like the Muppet movies. The Muppet movies aren't meant to be masterpieces or great pieces of art. They're meant to be cute and funny, and they rely on sight gags and, you know, Miss Piggy and Kermit the Frog. That's the type of innocent, childlike humor that you expect from things like that. Fraggle Rock is in no way, shape, or form made to be edgy. Actually, Ancient Wolf, you made a very good reference to the Robot Chicken Dark Crystal segment, and um, that was hilarious. But you know what? That's satire. You're taking a movie that's, that, that really has such innocent characters, and you want to add edge to it. How? How are you going to edge something up that's not meant to be that way? You know? That's like sticking a knife in Jello to make it dangerous. It doesn't make any sense. If you're going to remake a movie, why don't you just keep it fun and lighthearted? I'm more than sure that children will be receptive to it nonetheless. Fraggle Rock isn't meant for adults. So the fact that the studio wants to make it edgy is a recipe for disaster. Waffles of an I Love Lucy movie comes out. I, be I guarantee you Cedric the Entertainer is going to play Ricky Ricardo. That's how, that's how we're going to go. We're going to go the Honeymooners route. Cedric the Entertainer is playing Ricky Ricardo. Gabrielle Union is going to play Lucy. Fucking John Witherspoon is going to play Fred Mertz. And... Hmm. I got it. Got it. Megan Good is going to play Fred Mertz's wife. And... Ricky Ricardo, a.k.a. Cedric the Entertainer, is going to be a DJ at an urban club like the Tunnel. You notice how I, how, how I tell you that? And it makes absolutely no fucking sense. That's what Fraggle Rock having edge is equivalent to. Before I go through the rest of the movies, I'm going to take another call. Dark Helmet, welcome to the broadcast this evening. What do you have? Uh, dear Hollywood, this is everyone from the 80s saying, knock it off with your absolute garbage shit. Stop raping our childhood, please. You see that? How, how, but here's the funny part. 
if the movie was just coming out like the Smurfs movie and it was going to be meant to be fun and edgy, look, they came out with the Chipmunks, we knew it was going to be exactly what it was, and we moved on. When, you're, when the studio's telling you that something as, as mundane as Fraggle Rock, which isn't even super popular, has to be edgy, you know it's going to suck. That's a, yeah, that's a direct combination for fail, bomb, and death on almost the level of Battlefield Earth level. I mean, come on. You know what? Battle Rock has always been just silly, cheesy, and if you just keep it that way, keep it lighthearted, hell, make it 3D for all that matters, because you know they would anyway. Yep. And the kids would eat it up. But you have to make it edgy? No. What are you going to do? Have fra- I know. Have Fraggle Rock on the edge of a volcano. Dun, dun, dun. That would be terrible, but you got to look at it like this, too. There's, there, they really, and, and this is what I hate, because it's like, okay, Hollywood has no ideas. Hyena said it best earlier. Games, comics, books, that's Hollywood. And he's right. And you know what? Every week I come on here and I shit on all these things, and I understand that there's, there's minimal material out there. But if you're going to remake innocent things like that, like Fraggle Rock, the Smurfs, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yeah, you can add a little bit of a modern twist to it, but don't say it needs to be edgy. Because when you hear edgy, you hear of things that are risque, you know? Yes, Fraggle Rock, all grown up, just like they did with Rugrats. And what happened with that? Failed. Absolute crap. It's unfortunate, but, and, and, you know, it's like I said, and, and Slick agrees. Fraggle Rock should be like the Muppet movies, just just fun and, and, and enjoyable. But when when I hear edgy, I, I smell disaster. Let, let, yeah, I got know. a good one. I got a good one for you. Rocky Uh-oh. and Bullwinkle. Remember when Rocky and Bullwinkle thought. came out and they wanted to be really edgy and do live action Boris and Natasha and throw all these little subtle kind of adult gags out there? It was it? so lame. I wanted my $10 back, and I only paid $4 to see that movie. It is terrible. And that's what happens. I think that it, it reaches a point where, and again, I can relate to the fact they don't have anything out there, and that's fine, but don't ruin such innocent stuff because it just, it, it, it pretty much it alienates the fans of that genre. And you know what? You, what if you want to introduce your kids to that because it's something from your childhood and all of a sudden they bastardized it and made it this, this, this totally different thing than you remember? Yeah, really. You'd be like, that's not it. you have to hunt for the DVDs and be like, this is what it really is. That is what Hollywood massacred. When you grow up and be a big film producer, you make things good or I'm going to kick your butt. Yep. It's, it's crazy. Oh. Well, like I said, it can only get worse. <laughs> oh, God. There goes oh, yeah. for entertainment. Oh, don't worry about it, buddy. There's a few more nuggets of information. Oh, God. All right. Thanks for your call, buddy. All right. Sure thing. Later. All right. I just realized that we have 20 minutes of show left. First off, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, a.k.a. the sequel to Ghost Rider. Uh, Mark Neville Dean and Brian Taylor, who wrote both Crank movies, are in talks to work on Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Of course, it's going to be a sequel to the original Ghost Rider. Nicolas Cage is going to reprise his role as Johnny Blaze because that motherfucker needs money. 
David Goyer is going to write the story, and Columbia is going to start filming the project soon because they are on the verge of losing the rights to the property. Please lose the rights so Marvel can make the movie. Please. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Please lose the rights. Please. But it gets better. If the Fraggle Rock thing was bad, how about the 90s classic, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead? You may remember that because Christina Applegate was in that fresh off her Kelly Bundy days. It was cute. It was funny. Had a little bit of risque subject matter, but it was great when we were growing up. It was a funny movie. I watch it every time. The old lady, she's dead. They leave her in a caddy. Hilarity. Remake. That's what's happening. Already in the early stages of development, they're saying that Mike Gordon is producing it, and they're looking for writers. So... Not only have we done movies that are rebooted from the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, now we're in the 90s, so we're going to reboot shit from the 90s. You know, like Mannequin, Date with an Angel, shit like that, you know, late 90s, early 90s, late 90s shit. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Remake. How about that? Also, when asked about the Gears of War movie recently, which of course, uh, Cliffy, Cliffy B mentioned during E3, they have confirmed that they are in the process of doing it. Uh, producer Wick Godfrey recently gave a little bit of an update. He said that the movie is being worked on by Legendary Pictures, Warner Brothers, and New Line. He said, we got really close to making it with director Len Weissman. It was a $150, $150 budget, $150 million budget, and at that point, the studio decided they wanted to do the more contained kind of Cloverfield version of the film. So we've kind of gone back to the drawing board and we're about to hire a writer and do something that's much more experimental and less of the big, bloated video game movie, which we're actually creatively excited about. I think a lot of times when I see these films fail, you're trying to have characters sit there and talk about the backstory and the plot, when in reality you want to be in the experience of the game. Pause that. You want to make a movie about Gears of War and... You want to go with something like Cloverfield. Let, let's, let's think about this for, for a second. And I don't want to fucking squeeze on the nuts of this story too much because there's 20 minutes left. But let's look at Cloverfield. Shaky camera angles. People screaming into the camera. A monster you barely saw. And when the movie finished, you're like, what the fuck just happened? You want that as your basis for a Gears of War movie. Are you fucking kidding me? You're insane. Here's, here's how it works. Real easy. You open the movie. Marcus Phoenix is in jail. Alien invasion. Dom kicks the door open. Hey, dude, we need help. It's the Locusts. Make the movie like the fucking game. There is no backstory. The backstory can be told in bits and pieces. That's what sequels are for. The movie of Gears of War is the game. You can pretty much tell that whole game in an hour and... You could probably do it in 90 minutes. You want to get crazy? Two hours to get special effects in. You want to base it off Cloverfield. You're fucking stupid. 
I like Slick said it best. Oh, let's remake The Dark Knight. If you told me you were going to remake The Dark Knight, I'd fucking find you and put my fist through your head because that movie was flawless. If you told me we want to remake Gears of we want to do Gears of War in the same vein as Aliens, I'd say you're onto something. It, it works. It really works. Gears of War should be based off of Aliens. That should be your inspiration for that concept. It's very easy. You got the guys in the big suits. You got a couple of nasty, ugly aliens. You can even make those fuckers with CGI. Shit gets blown up. Lancers get put through people's heads. And that's it. You end the, the movie with them fighting General Ram. You kill General Ram. As the credits roll, the queen does the narration. Boom! Instant sequel. How fucking hard is that? How difficult is it? Oh, we need $10 million to make the suits. No, the fuck you don't. $150 million budget for what? For the Hammer of Dawn special effect? Are you kidding me? How about you just t take a camera, use fucking Final Cut Pro and After Effects, and flash a fla put a flashlight through a, a, a tissue paper tube, and that can be your Hammer of Dawn effect, and it's a lot cheaper. you got to be fucking kidding me. You want to make it like Cloverfield. The movie is self-explanatory. It's the fucking game. 90 minutes. Gears of War is not known for its deep story. Anybody can tell you. Phoenix is in jail. Alien invasion. Phoenix joins with his old unit. Old unit proceeds to kill the Locust. They meet General Ram. Little bit of backstory with Marcus's father. You kill General Ram. Queen narrates the end. End credits. You're done. Why do you want to earn? Why do you want to go and make it cerebral and interesting? See, game movies don't fail because of the game. The source material is there, and I've talked about this week in and week out, and I hammer it and I hammer it and I hammer it, and I hate doing it because I feel that the show becomes an endless fucking rerun. But you gotta be, you gotta be real with it. Half of these video game movies fail because Hollywood wants to change shit. And they want to do their own spin and be unique. Everybody liked the first Mortal Kombat movie. Why? Because while it wasn't the best movie, it was close to the game. You get all these random guys. You Oh, come to this tournament. Hop on this boat with this guy that takes people's souls. You fight a four-armed monster. Blah, blah, blah. Liu Kang wins. Fatality. Throw in a couple of lines. End of movie. Accurate. Perfect. Fine. Seriously. That's how easy that is. Resident Evil. Not the greatest movie, but not the worst, because they kept most of the source material intact. Zombies, chicks shooting zombies, Claire Redfield, Chris Redfield, Nemesis, the liquor, the zombie dogs. Most of it was in there. Easy. Piece of cake. You want to get crazy. You go into a movie like Doom. Half of the shit in Doom didn't relate to the fucking game. What, because you put it in first person? It's like the game? You're stupid. The Dragon Ball Z movie, I can spend an hour of show shitting on that movie. And the Chun Li movie, I can shit on that movie for another hour. I can do a two and a half hour show and spend an hour shitting on each movie 
because of the amount of detail that there is in the shit that they put out. It's, it's terrible. Look, I don't like Cliffy B. I don't. I voice my displeasure and my disdain for him in very, very large numbers of broadcasts since he blew the show off. But being the guy that helped create this game, and they tell you that the inspiration for the movie is Cloverfield, I would automatically say, get the fuck out of my office. Get out. That's it. Oh, yeah, Cliff, we, uh, we were thinking Cloverfield. Get the fuck out of my office. Pack your shit and get out. I wouldn't even make the movie. When you want to be inspired by Cloverfield, you should be kicked in the nuts. That's it. And, of course, like I said, um, that's it. That's the end of the show, folks. Fifteen minutes left. Give a couple of shout-outs. Got to give a shout-out to Kai from Northeast Wasteland. Definitely check out his site, RazorClothing.tv. That's Razor Rob's site. He will be fighting in July for Tachi Palace Fights. You can go to RazorClothing.tv to check out some of the clothing they got and also see Razor Rob's fight schedule. Go Creed Go is Consequences Creed's website. GoCreedGo.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at Austin Creed. GiantSparrow.com is Max Geiger's upcoming video game project. You can check that out as well at GiantSparrow.com. Drink Doc's Vitamin Water with Reservatol. That's Dr. Armand Dorian's drink. You can check that out at DrinkDocsDox.com. Of course, GirlGamer.com, support, firm supporters of MyTake Radio. AnimeGospel.com, again, Blog Talk Radio. Wednesdays, 8 p.m. You can also head over to MMAGospel.com or Fighters.com. Or if you're um, a Twitter user, you can follow MMAGospel at MMAGospel. MMAValor.com, of course, great supporter of the show. His banner will be going up on the site with, over the next few days. MMA Hot Stuff, of course, another supporter of the show. Darksiders.com. Vigil actually announced earlier this week that Darksiders 2 is already in development. So with that being said, I'm more than sure that Dorian, um, that Hayden Dalton, and the rest of the cast will be back to give us a little bit of insight for Darksiders 2. So keep your radio dial tuned to My Take Radio, and we'll be covering that soon as well. Hayden Dalton's blog is Hayden, H-A-Y-D-N, Dalton, D-A-L-T-O-N, dot wordpress.com. Brooks Macbeth, i got to send a, a huge congratulations to him. His episode of My Take Radio is the most download, downloaded episode ever. 180 downloads for Brooks Macbeth's appearance. So definitely congratulations are in order for Brooks. Um, if you are on Facebook and you're Brooks's friend, definitely take a moment and congratulate him for sure. Um, awesome to hear that his show was the most downloaded show. It surpassed The Deadliest Warrior and Girl Gamer, who are their second and actually... Uh, third and fourth. Um, Rachel from MMA Hot Stuff had the second most downloaded episode as well, so props to her. VGNRadio.com, of course, supporters of the show. You can check out all of Kevin's shows on the VGN Radio Network. VGN Radio, of course, the uh, Kevin's Ob Blast, which was on earlier this evening, the Midwest Wasteland. Head over to VGNRadio.com to get their schedule for all their shows. Cleveland Sports Radio, of course, that's Sundays. Check that out as well. They're covering MMA and wrestling, two-plus local Cleveland sports teams. Check them out at clevelandsportsradio.net. Born Stubborn Radio, of course, great commercials, kick-ass banner ad, 
hardcore supporters of the show. Props to them. 411mania.com, as always, gets their well-deserved shout-out, ocremix.org, filmdrunk.com, um, Vince Mancini. I'm hoping to have him back when the movies pick up a little bit more over the summer. He was a great guest, provided a lot of insight, especially from the movie blogging side of things, enjoyed his appearance. So with that being said, folks, My Take Radio episode 47 is in the can for Thursday, June 17, 2010. As always, I can be contacted via email at mtrhost at gmail.com with any comments or suggestions. You can also hit up the guest link if you're interested in being a guest for the show. Just head over to mytakeradio.com and click on guest inquiries. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, either my personal account, Akuma25, or the My Take Radio Show account. If you're still using MySpace, which I'm more than sure 10 of you are, you can look me up on MySpace. It's myspace.com slash mytakeradio. And if you're on Facebook, Facebook fan page, head over, show your support, join in on the conversation, and of course, mytakeradio.com and mytakeradio.com slash forums. We got all your E3 stuff there, great work from Slick and myself. Of course, there's more content coming in the next few days. Uh, the My Take Radio 3.0 redesign is in full effect now that WordPress 3.0 is out. So look for that in the coming weeks. And with that being said, this show is over. Thanks for listening. Catch you guys next week. Thanks for the support as always. Peace. Epic NES is going to take us out once again. <laughs>